Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Hotline League, the final episode of 2022. And with the LCS schedule for next year being revealed, it might be the final episode ever. Uh, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about. We thought that this week was going to be all about the I don't know, looking back on 2022. We normally do our, the last episode of the year as a reflection episode. We can't do that because Riot decided uh, less than 48 hours before they um, were going to fuck off for two weeks to drop some major news and then refuse to explain and then leave. And uh, and beyond that, we also had something really cool happen. Papa Smith reached out and said he was down to come on the show this week. So not only will he be explaining and justifying and defending Riot's scheduling decisions, uh, he will also be... Uh, talking about FlyQuest's new roster as everything has been revealed. I think what Coach got revealed today. Right, the song announcement came out yes. uh, evening KST or early morning PST. Fantastic. So we'll talk about uh, that and we'll take your calls on all of that stuff. I think probably those two topics are going to be the things that uh, that are biggest conversation points on this episode. However, there is one big thing to talk about. With Mark Zimmerman, who yeah, there my we go. haircut. Yes, his yes. haircut. What have you been watching lately, Mark Zimmerman? That's the big thing to talk I, about. I just so I finished White Lotus. I started Willow. It's like a little like some of the characters I'm not in love with, but I actually really liked the first episode of Willow. It was really funny. Singles Inferno is back, baby. I fucking love Singles Inferno. Uh, that's gonna be great. Um, yeah. Anything you know, else interesting happened this past? Oh, yeah, this little thing. I went to uh, Disneyland with Ashley, and when we got back, uh, I proposed to her. So I'm engaged now. Congratulations. Congratulations. You said you did it when you got back. What is the, yeah, how how did things go down? Uh, so, like, we're both pretty antisocial. And so, like, I don't think we would enjoy the spectacle. And, like, I'm sure Disney is, like, the kind of place where they're like, yes, we want you to promote our company by making it magical, you know? And we're like, ah. Yes. So uh, we did, like, a lot of cool Disney things. We stayed at the Grand California and ate at the Napa Rose, tried to, like, check off a lot of the things that we typically don't do. Yeah. Um, and then when we got home, uh, incorporated the cats into it too, because she obviously loves her cats. So Wait, so you, got, uh, you trained yeah. the cats to do something with the ring? No, they, they, they almost ruined it. Nyoko was being a little shithead. Um, I'm shocked. Yeah, I put it on the collar, and I was like, "Look over ah. there!" But like, we also, we also got something delivered at the same time. Um, so like, you know, we came home, and like, he likes biting plastic. He doesn't eat plastic, but he just wants to bite it. And it was like the Amazon packaging, so he was like chomping down on that instead of running around. And I was like, "Bro, you're ruining it!" But it, it worked out. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. Uh, wild, wild news. Um, Last seven days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was it was a crazy time too because like we knew that the Travis I think most of us probably knew that at some point like this announcement was coming and then like being like when am I going to make content about this while also trying to plan an engagement it's like wow this is a very very busy week and I just gave up trying to like cover the cover the content yeah I think I had a good excuse though how much how much does this show the stupid show that we do on a weekly basis pay for the ring Mark that's the biggest question for me it's just uh, what percentage. Did Hotline League and us shouting out Grubhub and Alien were our wonderful sponsors? Help. I mean, even just even just the last invoice I sent you was a, a bit of a monster. Yeah, yeah, yep. TGI World's tour. Anyway, um, so 
Uh, I, normally, we do the formal introductions with Mark. We just did that. You know, we've he's been sneaking in, or I've mentioned him a couple times. But Papa Smithy is here as uh, the first time ever as the FlyQuest Major Domo. Is that your official title, Major Domo at FlyQuest? You know, you have like three Chief titles Gaming there, officer. right? I got, I got two. President okay. Chief Gaming Officer. Um, I think the easiest way to think about it is obviously people would know me as general manager of League of Legends 100 Thieves before. We have a general manager of League of Legends. It's uh, Nick Fan, who's been here a, a long time. Um, traditionally, like org structure would be like that, then like director of esports or VP of esports, and then leadership. So I guess I'm the John Robinson of FlyQuest, if you will. Like there's myself and a CEO at the top. Yeah. People are going to, people are going to sort of think of you as like the, it's like, there used to it used to just be that if you were running a team, you were the team owner, and that that term has kind of outlived. The, owner on owner surrogate, right? And I'm yes. more the surrogate there. Yes, exactly. But owner surrogate sounds less cool. So, great. Welcome to running and owning FlyQuest, uh, Papa Smithy. That's how we're going to go with it. Um, Happy to be here. Yeah, I think if things ever go sour, you can use this as a, in a legal argument. As like, oh, everybody called mm -hmm. me owner. So in a sense, um, but. What has this transition been like over? Because I think you started, I started to hear rumors of this around world's time. Um, and I think it got announced a little bit into November, right? Yeah. I mean, the timeline obviously to the public was a little bit different to what happened internally. I knew before worlds that I'd be moving on from hundred thieves. Um, so before worlds, it was clear that the world would be the end of my journey there. Uh, I kept it to myself, though, because I didn't want it to affect the player's preparation or become a narrative or anything like that. Um, it was important to me that, you know, the players, the coaches, all the all those, like, hours they'd put into getting to that point were going to be cannibalized at last by a distraction. So just um, toughed it through worlds. And then, yeah, stepped away afterwards with no destination in sight. Uh, I was talking to a lot of different people, by the end, I was speaking to an LEC team, um, pretty deep conversations there about a VP of esports role over in the LEC. I was talking to the Riot broadcast about potentially a role as kind of like broadcast manager, I guess, kind of like Trevor was in EU a few years ago. Oh, kinda that's like, interesting. I, I kind of like broadcast direction and, you know, new, new, new casters and kind of like a basically the whole year and for a few years I've been reaching out to some of the producers and just giving feedback on stuff I like, stuff I didn't like. Like it's, you know, it's an old career, so it's hard to yeah. let sleeping dogs lie. And so now at a fork in the road, I was like, why don't I see if there's something there? Like the LCS is something I still care a lot about. Um, and then wasn't really looking at any real LCS offers at that point until I was connected to FlyQuest. And I didn't actually choose to reach out to FlyQuest. I, I really respected Nick and They'd obviously come into new ownership and obviously theorize there would be kind of money to spend there and swooping in and taking the job with someone I respect isn't really something I'm into. Um, so it just was a connection that was happened and it snowballed into something special in two weeks. So it was, it was a pretty surreal process, to be honest. I thought I'd be in Europe, so it's kind of uh, surreal to be here, but very, very happy to be here wow, when all said wild. and done. Uh, I got to imagine it's like... In intimidating to be like, what continent will you be living on in the next month <laughs> in or two? two months. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm uh, to be honest, like, I have a really 
complicated backstory. Like people ask me where I'm from. I'm kind of like a mongrel dog, I guess, if you think about kind of like a backstory. Because I've lived all over the world. My mom and dad are from different places. Um, my heart's in Australia, but I was born in Qatar, where the World Cup is happening. Lived in Australia for my primary school, uh, Dubai for high school, back in Australia for university, um, South Korea for casting, and obviously North America the last three years. So I've kind of always been a bit of a world traveler. Um, and it gives me a bit of a balanced perspective on the world. But when it came to this decision, it factored in more than before because I usually orient myself on kind of one thing and stick to it, in this case work, for like most of my career. And so when it comes to family, I have a lot of aging family in you know the United Kingdom. And being in Europe to be able to kind of connect with the family side was a pretty big draw for me. And obviously the LEC would be a new experience. So it required something special from FlyQuest to keep me here and people will jump to conclusions about payment and stuff like that. But it wasn't that. It was definitely now I'm in a position to really vet a lot of the ideas I had and a lot of the things I wanted to do in my previous roles but weren't able to. Like now there's no limiter. If FlyQuest makes a misstep, it's probably a me misstep. Um, and that's exciting to be at somewhere where you can make your vision happen on a big scale and have a lot of people trust you with a lot of decisions. And so, yeah, it's, uh, there was a lot going on and it needed the, the FlyQuest kind of scenario needed to be at a certain level of decision-making to be interesting. And we got there and here I am. Well, I mean, I think interesting is a good way of putting it as, as we've seen the roster now. And I feel like a lot of people are saying it should be a, a top two roster. Are you if, if I, a big fan on that one? What's that? Credit Nick Fan on that one. I know people will obviously give me a lot of credit for roster stuff because that was my brief for 100 Thieves, but that was largely a process that was well underway by the time I joined. And obviously, you know, maybe I'm more persuasive to ownership or, you know, we're able to make some small little decisions. But a lot of the work goes to the people who've been working here tirelessly since, you know, September while I was still thinking about Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, either way, I know people are really excited about it. We'll talk more about that as folks start to call in. I know Mark's already pulling people into the waiting room. Uh, but the... Um, oh, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. No, 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 I was going to ask a question, Meta, about how you want to run the show tonight. Yeah, no, I was just going to say really quickly, I think we should touch on, if if people listen to the show, because I we are sometimes guilty of assuming that something that is big and widely known uh, is something that everyone who watches the show um, is aware of. The big controversial thing that happened last week was that on Thursday, Riot and a series of two posts, one first by Riot Global, talking about scheduling changes and stuff that they're making across the esports, uh, their esports ecosystem globally. And then again later in a follow up post by uh, the head of Americas Raul? for, uh, yeah, Rill, uh, the head of Americas for uh, esports at Riot, uh, talked about the new. LCS schedule. And while it had been widely reported and discussed that LCS would be moving to weekdays, we now know it's moving to Thursday and Friday. Uh, I think there was some nuance around whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing, specifically with the weekdays, and some debate around that. Um, and then the whenever it did get revealed, the thing that I think has been received almost entirely negative unless you're like living in London or something is the start times of the broadcast, which now are going to be at noon lunchtime Pacific coast, 3 PM Eastern. 
uh, presumably to uh, in an attempt to capture European viewers, uh, as opposed to having it later in the day whenever it's more convenient for North American viewers. Um, I have. The, I, the, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the final wrinkle was that the schedule came <clears throat> out today, um, yes. and I think a lot of people were holding out hope that like they would put the bad games first, which. I don't think was ever like I was going to put that if if that schedule thing didn't come out in my Berlin game script, I'd already written why that wasn't going to happen. If you just think about it a little bit more. But yeah. that was the other thing is that people were kind of hoping like, OK, they'll just put out shit games for the first two hours. So at least e, uh, East Coast people will be able to catch the good three games at the back end or something. And uh, if you look at the schedule, that is definitely not the case. They're targeting as early as possible. Um, and we can dig into reasons in a second. But yeah, that, that was the other latest piece of controversy in it. So I did. On Friday, I recorded an entire video about this, and then on and then I just I really did not like how the video came out. Um, and I had been planning on trying to do something today. Today got busy, and so I have not had a chance to put like an official sort of my take on this. Um, I continue to be <clears throat> moderately fine with the weekday stuff. I think that is a reasonable experiment. Um, and I think that it is fine to try it. I really feel like the weekday or sorry, the time is terrible. Um, and I know we'll take some calls on this, but I just want to level set that. Like, I don't hear con context here that will not, that the callers will not have so that they have it when they call in is I haven't heard anybody who's excited about this. I've heard a couple people who Riot showed the data to and convinced to as, as like a we're skeptical and a little worried, but like neutral on. Uh, but for the most part, everyone that I've spoken to behind the scenes seems, seems fairly negative about this. And I can say like this will be a, a weird show for both Papa Smithy and Mark. Um, I'm excited to see how they both navigate it. But I will say that I've heard from many people that the LCS broadcast is not... Like the LCS broadcast team is not happy with this. I saw some people in the chat saying that, oh, is this like they don't want to work on on weeknights? Um, and that is not an accurate depiction. This is something that the specifically the timing, I know that that is the timing is coming more from global in terms of when they want to do it. So, I yeah, that's sort of where everything's at. We'll div dive in over the next couple of calls, I'm sure. I don't know if we're starting with that or if we're starting with FlyQuest, but um, how, well, Mark, so what do you want to do? I, I was I was gonna ask you, do you want to just talk about it a little bit first? I know like we can grab callers' takes, but like I wouldn't mind like just chatting a little sure. bit first with it, just because I, I feel I think like a good thing to do when we do that is to like all three of us would have heard varying briefs over months and like some level setting when we go into the discussion of like what you expected to what you found out and when is probably pretty valuable here. I'm going to be the person on the call that has the most direct briefing because as a you know owner, I was briefed directly on the numbers and obviously part of the owner's meeting last week as well. So I'm not going to sit here and like reveal all of Riot's rationales, but I'm happy to speak on behalf of what I was told and what the expectations are and what my opinion is, you know, like yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So, it's I mean, a I think nuanced topic. I, I kind of tried to do that on my end. Um, so why don't we, we go to you now, Papa Smithy, and you kind of give sure. us a breakdown of your understanding and, and where your head's at on all of it. Sure. I mean, I think like a lot of people, the leak earlier in the year kind of came out Wednesday, Thursday was like what I was told about earlier in the year. Um, and then the Thursday, Friday thing is a more recent 
realization. Um, I think the general theory around days is something that, like you, I'm kind of open on, which is this idea of, is it real anymore that you watch five hours of LEC and then five hours of LCS or that you're viewing hours as like, I don't know, three, four hours of League of Legends, like the last two games of LEC, the first two games of LCS. Um, I don't really think that is super valid in, in 2022, 2023. I know there's a lot of data around the viewership age um, going up. You can tell with alcohol sponsors that that's there. Um, and so given that, I can understand this idea of now NA has its own day where it's not competing with other major English language broadcasts, still competing with LFL and, and other products, but not other major League, League, uh, major League of Legends region broadcasts. I think the time, like I, I actually knew it was Wednesday, Thursday, 12 p.m. You know, months ago. That, that part wasn't leaked, but that was, I think, always the intention was the start time. And I think the start time is the thing that owners, myself included, needed the most justification on. Because at the end of the day, when you have a country as big as America with three-hour time zone difference between East and West, and then you have these other considerations about other areas, even scheduling a tweet about the LCS is difficult. Like, when do you schedule it during the day when you want to hit more than just the North American market? Um, and I think with the broadcast, people point to Friday, Monday as failed experiments, but those are very, very late EST. Um, and so there's lots of different things going on here. I think all of the data presented, and maybe you can talk, Travis, more about kind of like what sort of data you heard about, just so it's not me directly leaking the meetings, but... Um, <laughs> The data does point to some optimistic things around the times chosen, but is that optimism for the West Coast viewer? No, like, of course, at 12 o'clock, PST is bad for anyone who wanted to go and watch at the stadium. Clearly, they are not solving for that. It's bad for anybody working or at school. Clearly, they're not solving for that. But are they solving for EST and, and other markets? That the data they have suggests yes. So that's what I need to see, you know, in, in full glory. I think the data shown indicates things, but it's not causal, right? And there, this is a very, very volatile decision that's being made that's very hard to walk back. So um, it's not lost on me that they're taking a big risk. And so it kind of leads me to think, like, in a world where we could choose between not moving at all and moving what we what are we losing what's the opportunity cost here like there's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers and i think the fans have even less answers than i have access to so i, I truly believe the ball was mostly dropped in the rationale behind it because i think the rationale provider was extremely weak to the public yeah no okay so uh, i know mm -hmm. well mark do you want to go first or i can i have a bunch of stuff from papa smith that i can add to yeah, I mean, I, I obviously do too. I think um, so. The the thing that Papa's talking about, I'm pretty sure I've seen almost the exact same presentation, or at least many of the core points of it as well. Um, you know, this has been an ongoing conversation for a while, um, and a lot of different people at Riot at different levels were, were pulled for opinions on it and things like that. So, um, I think a uh, a lot of people in the industry were aware of these changes coming in. Uh, scared, I right? Think, I, I think you're scared, like I am, Mark. Yeah, I think everyone's unsure i think i've seen all the numbers and we'll probably dig into it a little bit because like the the reasoning is already somewhat public in terms of what they've said their reasonings that they provided as well as just like fans aren't dumb and they can like you know they, they everyone understands that noon pst 
on the weekday supposedly has the highest traffic on Twitch. And you're trying to get a bigger pie and trying to get a piece of that pie. And the pie is bigger at that time slot than later in the day. Now, the balancing act is, yeah, but that wedge that you're targeting is not now North American fans and you're kind of putting them out when it's a North American league to have an awkward situation. So like, there's all that to dive into. Um, but yeah, it's, it's scary in the sense that like, I don't think anyone knows a hundred percent what's going to happen. Like there's, there is reasoning behind it. It's just who, who knows if that reasoning will hold up when January rolls around. I mean, the reasoning is, you know, according to their article is I have to make 35,000 decisions a day guys. And, uh, I'd really <laughs> oh, like to no. bring that down to 34,999. Right so, so we decided to make you decide between the LFL. Oh my and God! The LCS. It, like, okay, so here we go. Now that you, we've all sort of level set, holy fuck, has the communication been so shitty around this? Like, how the fuck do you wait? This has been months. This has been months and months and months that we have known that this is coming. It got leaked months ago. Riot has had all this time. The only time that they uh, really like addressed it at all was John kind of vaguely alluding it to to it in the interview that I did with him and then they wait and they wait and they wait and they seem to have no fucking plan on how to deal with this and they drop it less than 48 hours before they all leave for two weeks like are you fucking kidding me this league is like struggling and riot's solution is to like oh instead of giving you a lot of reasons why you should be excited about the league and hopeful and all that stuff uh by the way guys this is starting at lunch here's like some vague re like the, the thing that is super telling to me is, like, the fact that that 35,000 dis decisions thing got made, got put into the presentation, or sorry, into the comms around this, it's evidence to me that, like, at some point in time, someone was tasked with, like, making a presentation internally to help justify this decision beyond just, like, well, some Twitch data suggests this, and then, like, they added that in. Like, that's, like, a thing that you add in a, like, high school or college presentation where you find it on Wikipedia, and then you just, like, like, I, I really want that to become the next 2,000 years or whatever because I just think it is uh, wild uh, that that got added in. Um, I think that I, I really wish that they had been more public with the data that suggests that this is good. Um, because they showed it internally to you guys. I have not seen it, but I've only heard stuff from people. Um, one of the things that's really concerning, I won't ask you guys to like, comment on this, but feel free if you, if you feel up to it, is that it's unclear to me that the data that they've shown to people suggests like this is English-speaking audience that will probably watch the LCS versus just like, hey, a lot of people watch League of Legends on Twitch at this time. Like, I worry that the data is not granular enough to justify this decision based off of some of the general things that I've heard about it. And like, I like all due respect to you guys, um, Mark, Mark and Pop Smithy. I, I see you guys kind of taking the tack that I've seen a lot of people take, like Azale and other people are kind of doing a lot of this, like, Oh, you know, I'm nervous about this. I'm unsure about this, blah, blah, blah. Like the sense I get is people are fucking scared and they're really worried and I think people are trying to be very diplomatic. Bro, I'm 100% confident we're going to kill it. I, th I, I get that. people are trying to be diplomatic. I worry because I, I'm i like, I'm not sure this is the time for diplomacy because I, like, the, the league is in such a fragile state right now that I don't know if it can weather this, right? Like, I, I know I try to discount as much as I can, like, the random comments on Reddit and Twitter 
But like when I see Brian Kibler being like, oh, you know, I I've watched this league forever and now I just won't. Like I worry how many people are making a decision of thank you for telling me that this product is not for me. A little magic reference there. And and I will just not watch it next year. And so whenever in like week four, right, it's like, oh shit, 40k people are watching this on average every time we broadcast it. And they like shifted a couple hours later that you're already gonna have people who've decided like to move on from the LCS. And so I just worry that like this is like an experiment here. It could be a, a permanent catastrophe versus like, oh, we're going to try this time slot for a couple of weeks and see how it goes. Well, I think uh, on that point is why the messaging not being good enough for what a lot of fans feel is extra damaging because it feels like they're being told based. Like I know people feel like it's a go fuck yourself to a lot of the, the North American fans who are the most diehard, whether or not like you, uh, there's a good conversation to be had about like, can you appeal to a broader audience while also screwing in a sense your core viewer base because like the overwhelming sentiment is that kind of kibbler one there's a lot of people who are like i've watched i've seen so many messages sent to me directly tweeted reddit like i've watched every day of the lcs since its inception or like since 2018 or something and i just can't now like it's not even like i don't want to and i'm mad it's like i, I literally can't and then there are all the other people who are like i'm also mad and like i know that feeling you're saying about when something's when someone says oh well it's not for you like that happened to me with Genshin recently. You know, we were talking about that, Travis. Just like I stopped playing because the developers like, yeah, we're never going to put in end game content because it's not for you. And I'm like, okay, I won't play your game. You're right, it's not for me. And like, that's that is very dangerous to to ever say to like some portion of your your user base, like, yeah, it's not for you, because then they they just leave. Yeah, I um, I just I am deeply concerned about this. I think the fact that they've decided to schedule. I mean, I. I, in the video that I, I did that I didn't I didn't release, I was making the same assumption you did, Mark, that like they would uh, front load the matches because again, like they're they're clearly tacking towards European viewers. And like I know like for I think about forty percent of my audience is outside the US according to like my YouTube demo info and stuff like that. Like I get that they're this is very global sport. People watch it all over the place. We get call ins from Australia and Europe and Latin America, like the show itself experiences a lot of that. The problem is if you start to tack so far in the direction of your global audience, like the league, the underpinnings of the league will start to become far too loose to sustain it, right? Like is somebody who is in Europe going to buy a ticket to the LCS spring finals or the LCS summer finals? Will they sign up for Verizon 5G service after hearing it mentioned 500 times by Latigris in post-game interviews. Like, this is not, like you, this product, I don't understand the philosophy behind having a regional league if you are unwilling to make that league like viewable by that region, right? Like so many international events are outside of the viewing hours for North America and we finally got Worlds, and then we followed up Worlds by being like, and guess what? Now even your own league isn't within viewing hours for you. Like, it's... Well, uh It's... Yeah, even on that that topic, like, the, the things that have had the, some of the most growth in recent years have been things that are actually more targeted, not more broad. Things like the LFL and, like, those regional leagues that have seen a lot of growth in recent years. It's because it's like, well, it's for those people. And then they can get excited and share it more. Um 
And to and be I clear, you know, in, the, in the owners' meetings, we are asking for more North American viewers. Like, there's this idea that you know the owners are okay with some hedging and and that more European viewers will, will will make it all better. But obviously, we want North American viewers. You know, we, we sell to North American sponsors. Like, it's not rocket science that um, we want North, more North American viewers. And Riot indicates that that is what this decision will lead to. Now, does the data support it? Mostly. Does it causally say it will happen? No. And that's the part where it's going to be tricky. Is it such a seismic change? And what everybody wants is clear, but the path to get it requires a risk or a hedge. And this is the one that's been elected. Now, obviously, I'm new to the owners' meetings. I wasn't there in my um, time at 100 Thieves, so... I'm not sure if there was a vote to choose what days or anything like that, but I can tell you that the start time is definitely the biggest sticker shock um, that needed to be navigated. And with all of the data, again, there are reasons to think this can work, but that doesn't mean that it's one-to-one -one predictive, right? And that's why I think no one is going to come out and be super like, yes, this is the way forward, because the hedge is huge. Um, I don't think you're that wrong, Travis, about what's given up if it goes poorly. And to, to combo off the data point, it's like there is data for this being a good choice and things mm -hmm. that can work, which we kind of talked about. But there's also data that goes against it. Um, a lot of it is historic data, to be fair. And I know you talked about some of the issues with Friday and Monday Night League previously being very late in the day. But back in the day, the EU LCS, when it was called the EU LCS, ran on Thursday, Friday, I believe. Or maybe it, then they shifted it to Friday, Saturday. Um, but right. there was a period, there was a period of time where like <laughs> EU LCS was kind of the redheaded stepchild. It was a big part of office politics back in the day, the EU versus the NA. And like, um, it felt like there was NA favoritism from the EU office and there's always like little, little conflicts and whatnot. Um, and, uh, you know, it got to the point where EU's viewership, and I'll talk about this in the blame game when I do it was down to a hundred thousand in summer of 2017. It's lower than, than NA even was. It was, it was bad. And um, what they did to fix it was they, they invested properly into, into that scene. They kind of gave it, they're like, okay, no more putting you on one of these like worst time zones. You're going to get Saturday, Sunday for your audience at a time that's good for them. And I think that helped a lot. I think they found their own voice. The rebrand did a lot. But like, I think people sometimes overemphasize the importance of that rebrand without also looking at like um, what was done systemically behind the scenes as well. There's some stuff that's not super well covered, but like, had that happened to kind of give EU that that breath of life that they needed to find their own viewership and stuff. Because um, a, a large part of the time, like that that 300K average concurrent thing that we had in NA in 2014 was because nothing else was on Saturday, Sunday. It was just us. So like lots of EU fans watched us. I think that's kind of what they're hoping for again by putting us on Thursday, Friday. But EU was on Thursday, Friday before, before and it was not working well for them. Um, and I think there's just other esports you can look at. Yes, obviously League is somewhat its unique thing, but like historically esports don't perform better on weekdays than weekends um that's just kind of a, how it's always been so I, I do think there is you know reasons to say hey if we do this really really well there's these data things that we think can make this a good choice but then there's also the other data kind of going against that and before i give it back to you travis i will say that the communication and nuances of the communication around this were the loudest comment at the owners meeting like they had to nail this, and they didn't. They fucked it, and that's really disappointing. Even the fact that the announcement came out so many hours after the global announcement was obviously very disappointing and not originally what had been communicated to us. And there are, of course, extenuating circumstances around 
you know, Jackie, the commissioner, who should be the person like first line of defense on this, not being able to speak if people aren't aware she's going through some severe health stuff. But because this was so known in advance that this would all happen, um, I think that the minimum that should have been done like the way that I would have done this if I was Riot or the LCS is I would have had Jackie record a video weeks in advance justifying it. You need someone who is the figurehead of this league, whether it's you know Riot NA or Jackie as a surrogate to say, hey, we are making this change for this these reasons and we're really excited about it for this reason and basically hold themselves up for judgment if they're wrong. Um, and you need to have that out five minutes, one hour after the global post goes up. And you can have that video circulated internally and, you know, this graphic can't be shown because it's too, like, you know, sensitive or um, this data we can't share with the public. Like, you can do all the focus testing and have it ready to ship, and they didn't. And the end result was a pretty weakly supported um, blog post nine hours afterwards or something like that. And that's the part where I, I completely mirror the fans' frustration that, that was the mic drop moment before a break. Like it should be way, way better than that. Um, especially because at every stage, whether it was the original leak or the owners meeting a couple of weeks ago, like the flag was great. I see where you're coming from with this data without being like a hundred percent convinced that it's causal. Make sure you communicate it well to the fans so that they buy into it. Instead, it's going to be what two weeks of everybody shitting on the LCS while riot silent. I mean, I think, um, we we should move into calls, but like the final thing I'll say on that bit is like I don't want to slam him too much because I appreciate he did the interview with me. I think what didn't age very well was when I brought up like why aren't you communicating around this? Like John Neem's like, well, we have windows with which we want to like communicate and talk about certain things, and I'm like, okay, so the window is a uh, Thursday before your two week holiday break. Um, that is your fucking window for communicating a the most dramatic that was, change that, that was a global decision to be clear yeah, well yeah and he runs the global side right like i mean yeah. it's just how i don't it's this was the most important probably decision uh around the future of the lcs that they made this year and they treated it like it was a throwaway thing and it's um it's embarrassing. Uh, let's hop into calls because we'll, uh, we'll keep talking about one, this. One more thing, and I know yeah. this might accidentally spawn a larger tangent, but I do feel like it's worth addressing is because, you know, people are talking about it too, is, is the Valorant angle. Because we kind of talked about, I think there's a world where you can justify this change based off the reasons that they provided in a world where Valorant doesn't even exist. You know, in terms of like Pop was talking about with the viewer burnout and the scheduling and blah, blah, blah. There's all these reasons to try and do this. Um, totally independent of Valorant, but then that is kind of like the X factor layered on top that I think a lot of fans see it as either this is all just fake justification for Valorant or um, that, you know, uh, there, there, there's just some level of influence by the Valorant side. Um, I don't know if, if, like, I can't speak too much on this because I'm someone who's a little bit in Riot, um, but, like, I... I don't think it was that super heavily influenced by it from, from my understanding. I don't, know I don't you, believe it was. I think it's important to note that, like, by moving this to the weekday and giving Valorant the weekends, we are burning the ships when we make it to the new continent, right? So it's like <laughs> I, you kind of have to make sure that, like, if this, is, if this is your new home, that you have to make sure that you're building it pretty fucking sturdy because mm -hmm. 
you can't go back to the way things were before. Um, yeah. So for people who don't know what Travis means, it's that the regional leagues for Valorant and League for both, I, I think it's both for EU and NA, are using the same studio. Um, and you can't layer the broadcasts on top of each other then. And I don't think it's like we were moved for Valorant, but I think Sunday, the weekends were being given to EU no matter what. And so they didn't want... They, they wanted to move NA's broadcast off the weekend anyways. And so naturally, you slot Valorant in for NA Valorant in there. So that way, which makes the optics leagues. around the announcement even more important, right? Because yes. it's, you cannot, you cannot wave away the doomsayers who point to what they hypothesize as the premium spot, the weekend and say anything without solid justification on why the LCS move was made and they didn't provide it. And they so that's, fucking again, knew another layer. They knew for months that people thought this, they knew for months that people thought this thing about Valorant. And then, so it's even more critical. Like, I I don't, I truly do not understand how this happens. Like, how how do you get to this point? How are there not people internally that are like, no, 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 I know we're, it's not in a perfect state yet, but we need to fucking push this article out. Like, because we're leaving in two weeks and we're going to have to make sure that like this gets the right landing. Uh, it's it's so embarrassing. Okay, let's get into calls. We got to do it. Um, Mark is off. Mark, do you... Okay, sorry. Uh, thank you to some folks who subbed. We've been ranting for 45 minutes. Uh, uh, Flop-a-derp, uh, five white guys, Kanoke, Numi... Randy, Dragon, Severed Head, Flick, Nickum, Fishy, Esk, Goat, Escape Goat, uh, Zachary, GG, Cyanteal, uh, Chill Spencer. We'll get to more in a second, but Justin is here. Justin, where are you calling from? Uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. What do you want to talk about on the show? So my take was is that the LCS moving to noon Thursday, Friday will be good for the league. Okay, thanks, Justin, for calling in. We've got to let you go. <laughs> you were Why looking for league, someone like baby? this, Travis. We found one. Justin, for your own safety, I advise you to uh, find a secure location. Justin, what is your uh, Riot badge name? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, shoot. yeah. Where, sorry, where, where are you calling from, Justin? Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. Okay, so you're... Is that that's uh, Central Time Zone, right? Central Time. Yep. So it starts at two for you. Uh, yes. Okay. Um. All right. Hit us with your justification. Okay. So my I have uh, two piece justification. One you've already uh, somewhat touched on in your first part discussion was that the publicly available information for those who haven't seen the internal riot presentation shows that Twitch viewership does peak between. 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. CST. I saw a lot of discussion in the threads talking about how there's no data to back up this decision. I recognize that you guys talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but at the very least, there is some evidence to suggest that, okay, a noon start time uh, is not completely unreasonable. It is when there is peak Twitch viewership. I recognize that a lot of people cannot watch in the middle of the day, but a large majority of Twitch does. So it's not entirely an unreasonable decision from publicly available data. Quick quick question on the, the data part. Do you know if there's any data? Because I've tried to talk to some like Twitch data streaming analytics companies about partnering on something like this, and they've been frustratingly unresponsive. So by the way, if you are 
stream hatchet or uh what's the all those things that are like that please reach out to me i'm happy to to, to work with you on something interesting and give you a ton of credit but justin do you know how much of that data says that those are english speaking audience uh, my best guess, according to Twitch Tracker underneath the language tab, is that uh, half of their available data, so 56.4%, is English language streams. But they do not break that down by time. Uh, that is my best Because that is partially my concern, is like, how, like, one, of this data, how much of them are even going to turn, tune into an English broadcast? Um, and so that is like... That's kind of stage one. And then I think the second thing that like none of these guys are going to have access to is how much of that is North American audience. Cause like, I don't, yeah, I look, if Riot wants to say that it, like, we're all just going to, we can invent whatever data around this as we want because none of us have it. So let's just worry that like 80% of that, the English speaking audience that you're talking about in that situation is like Europe for all we know, you know, like would, would we be comfortable with a world where the majority of people that are watching the majority of the LCS are in Europe and like, this is no longer oh. a product. That's a primarily North American viewed thing. It's a primarily European viewed thing, you know? Oh. So Justin, I don't know if you want to, you want to continue on. You said the data thing, anything else you got for us? Yeah. The second half of my argument is more of a personal take. Uh, and that is, I'm a longtime LCS fan, and I do not necessarily believe that moving the start time would be bad for the league. So there's like not necessarily bad. And my evidence for that comes from, perhaps Papa Smithy can talk about this, comes from the original OGN English broadcast. And the casters for that broadcast have said on record that um, for that broadcast, there were two hurdles to viewership. One was the late start time, and one was the fact that you originally had to pay to watch the stream. Um, and they argued that that was not necessarily to their benefit, but they used it to their advantage because they knew their viewers were the most hardcore LCK fans. And they tried to cater to that audience by having a more uh, casual stream. They stylized their broadcast to their known audience. And I think that you know, as a longtime LCS fan, just because the broadcast is harder to watch for the general audience, the most common denominator, does not mean that they can't make decisions that make it better to watch for their most hardcore fans. I want best of threes. I understand best of threes aren't the, don't get the most viewership, but as a longtime fan, that's what I want. So it is like a very personal motivated take, but I believe that focusing on a core audience that is necessarily smaller is not necessarily bad for the league. It lends itself to developing an identity towards those that are watching it. I don't know, Papa Smith, if you want to dive in, especially since this is, we're talking about OGN and uh, audiences for broad global situations. I think the difference is obviously that we were a second language piggyback broadcast where we didn't have our own, you know, bespoke cameras or content. We were speaking over things. Uh, mystery science theater style and trying to make something compelling in a bad time zone. This is Riot ostensibly choosing to move to this time because they think it will expand viewership. Now, I do think that with its own day, you could have this argument that if they combine moving to Thursday, Friday and having like this specific new voice or authentic voice to North American players, could they create something that makes viewing hours go up or can engage new fans? 
Possibly, but I don't think you needed to move the day to do that. It's just something they can do with the decision being made. So I don't think that's a, a justifier to move it to Thursday, Friday, but theoretically you have more room to breathe. You aren't just back-to-back with the LEC's last game. Okay, so here, it's just because I'm thinking about it right now, Mark and Papa Smithy, we're kind of talking through, like, I'm seeing people in chat. There's a lot of people saying, I can no longer watch this, right? Mm-hmm. So... We now have to try to find, theoretically, we're going to lose to attrition a lot of viewers who are just like, hey, this is just no longer accessible to me, which means we need to go find viewers who probably haven't been watching, but can watch now that it's in this time slot. You've both been working around Riot Games for a long time. How effectively do you think Riot is going to be able to do the marketing efforts that you need to go out and capture these new viewers? How 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 wise are they going to be in identifying we need to go obtain and tell people who haven't been watching the LCS that they now can watch it because it's now at a time that's accessible for them? Fantastic. Obviously a concern that was raised in owners' meetings as well. I, I remain skeptical. Um, I feel like Riot might have some initiatives around new viewer acquisition that are maybe global rather than North American-specific that could, again, dovetail. But again, is that like some smart moving the North American thing, specifically North American campaign? I don't think so. So I think expectations low, but I'm always hoping to be impressed. Yeah. Um, I mean, there'll at least be some level of discoverability on Twitch. I feel like there's there's always people who just like have no idea because they're so like built up with like um, almost like muscle memory, you know, like, oh, I tune in on weekends and there's the LCS and there's people who will be um, tuning in to watch Tyler 1. They're going to see the LCS suddenly at noon competing against Tyler 1 or something and they'll be like, oh, shit, I guess I'll watch LCS. Like maybe some of those people, you know, like you're, you're hoping just by natural funnel of browse features on Twitch, Twitter, uh, I assume there'll be a lot of content hopefully pushing out the new start time, um, stuff like that. I think for me that the thing that like to, in terms of targeting the viewer is like you kind of have to know like have a theoretical person of like who this is that you're you're targeting. Um, like uh, I, f- I forget the two models of like um, design, but one is to imagine the customer and one is to like design for the problem. I think or whatever. I, I can't remember exactly. I was listening to this a while ago about something else. Um, but like if you hadn't been listening I just to on forex speed, you would have retained it. Yeah, too much. Too much just cramming information in my brain it just seeps right out but like uh in in that the the one where you're designing for like the theoretical consumer and like who this person is i'm not exactly sure because like if you're in high school you're on the west coast you're you're in school this whole time i guess like for east coast high schoolers who don't participate in extracurriculars it's actually pretty good if i'm being honest like you get out of school at three ish and you go home and you fucking do your homework while watching league of legends like that's not that bad if I'm being honest, like I don't, I don't know those people personally, but like maybe that's the thing. Um, I do think that there are some groups that I don't. I, How like, are they going to capture East Coast high schoolers? Like that's the thing. Ca- is, East like, Coast high schoolers. We can maybe. all come up with theoretical people. You know, stay-at-home mothers at three o'clock or at noon well, on bro, the West Coast. You can Coast. watch Bjergsen and Doublelift together or Maria try and figure out how to tell her baby daddy that it was actually, you know, like on whatever daytime soap opera they're watching right now. So like. Just got to put it on some um, Hallmark Channel daytime TV ads for the LCS. Here's a question to you, Travis. Again, I I come back to the messaging on this because certain assumptions have been made for them to go with these times, right? Yeah. Now, 
I thought the hardest thing to stomach would be the days, you know, Thursday, Friday versus Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And people are generally like, okay, I get the logic there. So people are willing to go down this experiment, which is the more, um, the thing that's impossible to, to change, kind of like you guys are talking right. about, like it seems like Saturday, Sunday is gone, Thursday, Friday is our new home. I will say that if Riot came out and said, we're starting at this time because Twitch peak viewership is this time, we think 12 is the right start, game two and three are still going to be our featured matchups like they were before, you guys vote with your eyes, we'll test a couple of different kind of like hypotheses, and then if we, if you guys don't watch, of course, we'll change it. Then I think people would generally walk down that road and say, wow, like you guys are taking a big risk, you've laid out some information, you know, we'll all learn together. But instead, it's this is the perfect time, Thursday, Friday, 12 p.m., and that's where I think we all equally are like, how did you come to that conclusion? I mean, there, the I think, LCS post that went up did not address timing at all. Agreed. It just didn't. Bad. And and they had, it took them how many hour, additional hours to post that? And they had already seen by that point in time the reception from the audience that like the timing was the thing people were upset about. And they were just like, by the way, guys, uh, Thursday, Friday, it's it's going to be great. Like, I... I I think to your point, there's like a couple different things there. One, yes, they could have done that. They could have said, hey, we think that by starting at noon, it allows us to get to our premiere matches by three, which on the East Coast is six, and East Coast is actually the vast majority. Like they could have, they could have made a more nuanced argument around this, even though I don't think I would have bought it. Um, and they just didn't even a, attempt. A, a correct, uh, you have a pass fail, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah. okay, well, I'm watching at that time. It didn't work. You're wrong. Instead, it's this like, it'll be great yes. where everyone's like, okay, but I'm feeling that uh, emptiness that you put out there with depression and anger rather right. than the optimism that you're trying to sell here because you did not sell it well. It's a bad pitch. I didn't buy a product. That's right, the, exactly. That's it, to me the problem. And, well, it's, and it's you're not even giving people, sense. you're not even saying we're like, open to changing this we're going to evaluate it for the first couple of weeks and then we're open to changing it you're just telling people this is the way it is so again you end up with that situation where like people are just saying this is an incompatible product for me and they're just going to move on you know like that is my concern is that they're just going to be like fuck these guys they don't care about me you know like i i do think i always say that i do actually believe that right on the whole buys their own sort of like players first mentality i think i know from talking to people it is like iterated a lot on or talked about a lot and personally and uh, in, in, internally and i think this is a and, and i think that actually does well for them sometimes because they there are obviously there are skeptics out there but a lot of people do think oh they they care about me in this situation they're just saying like hey if you're busy at this time this is not for you and there's no plans on changing it and like and like to to kind of loop it back to Justin, your your call here. Um, you said that like this could be good because the data is there. The biggest thing, I think, this is the biggest conversation point around this is the philosophical question of who is the LCS for. And I think for me and a lot of people, the answer should be primarily North American viewers. This is a North American league. There's conversations to be had about the representation of North American players within this league, but it is a North American league. It's branded North American. It is, you know, we represent North America's region. You should be 
tailoring this product primarily for North American viewers. And they are saying with this decision, that is not who this product is for. It is for a global audience and that they care. And quite frankly, what they are saying is we care more about you if you live in London than if you live in San Francisco. Um, and we're going to tailor for that. Um, and I think that that is a huge philosophical disconnect um, between me and I think a lot of other people. And quite frankly, I assume the sponsors that pay the money to do this league. Um, so I that's like a that is kind of where I'm at. Justin is like it, it just depends on what you're optimizing for. And for me, I would optimize for the North American viewer for the North American league. So yeah, I think that I think that's a very good point. That's kind of hard to argue against because um, the way you brought up that discussion was we don't know the distribution of the regions where that you know peak. Twitch viewership is coming from. So I can't really, in the same way that you speculate or suggest that, oh, that might be a majority global audience, I can't, I can only just speculate in fact that, oh, maybe it's uh, primarily North American and I don't have the resources to say whether it's one or the other. But I yeah. think that's a very good point. Uh, the purpose of my call was kind of just introduce the idea that I saw a lot of, I think the reasoning and communication behind the decision is definitely questionable. But I was hoping through my take, uh, kind of say that just because the reasoning was questionable doesn't mean that there is no reasoning, which is like a popular sentiment I saw online. Yeah, uh, and it's it's called Hotline League for a reason, right? Thank you, Justin. Anything you want to shout out before we take a quick break? Yeah, I wanted to shout out. This is a, I've been holding onto this one for a long time, long time listener, first time caller. You used to Hotline League used to not update their podcast feed until the. Wednesday or sometimes even Thursday after the show. I am one of the rare podcasts, almost exclusively podcast only. You say listeners. rare, it's actually a decent amount of our audience. Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure if your podcast comments were ever ironic, but um, I think several years ago, it got moved from uploading Wednesday, Thursday after the show to the next morning or sometimes just a couple hours after the show. We always tried to move it. We always tried to get it the next day. I think it was just difficult, but Jordan, who helps with a bunch of this stuff, she does a good job of getting it up um, early because she's on the East Coast. So talking about time zones, um, we were able to swing it that way. So I'm happy I'm happy you're happy. Yeah, shout out to Jordan. Thank you. Yes. And then shout out to Mark for getting engaged. Thank you. Yeah. Have a Thank good you. one. All right. Uh, we are into a quick break to talk about Alienware. So it is officially happening right now. The Alienware Arena Sweepstakes is on through now now between the uh, between tw the 14th and the 23rd so now uh you can get literally a chance at winning one of thousands of prizes uh including desktops and game keys and alienware swag and game pass tokens all sorts of really cool stuff so if you are interested in doing that head on over to alienware arena uh it's the fun giveaway that they're doing here at the end of the year uh 10 days Thousands of winners. You'll see that when you hit AlienwareArena.com. And uh, they're giving away an R13 every day uh, featuring an NVIDIA GeForce RTX graphics card. Uh, and, yeah, they've got all sorts of different uh, stuff, including Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, codes for new and existing subscribers, Stray game codes. Maybe if you want to play Stray or Neon White, uh, both featured at the Game Awards recently. Alienware Fidget Spinners, Mouse Pads. Play each day for another chance at these great rewards. Uh, again, head on over to Alienware Arena. 
thousands of winners over the next or over these 10 days of the giveaway. So thank you so much to Alienware for sponsoring the show and just a cool little way that they're giving back to their community. So, uh, yep, Anumi is in the chat and she's spamming it right now for those that want to go sign up for it. Uh, but thanks to Alienware for sponsoring the show. Uh, some more subs, by the way. Uh, Sean with the 52 months, Danny Grimm for 30, uh, Corporal Slinky, Aobi, Sovereign, Shadowbean for two years, Schleppard, Patches Faces, Rico Suave, and Haru. And Monkey Jam is here, our next caller. Monkey Jam, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Melbourne, Australia. From hey. Australia. How how are these time zones looking for you? Um, so at the moment it's like daylight savings. So it's I'm um, having a look and it's about seven AM for me. But okay. when the like summers change over, it's gonna be at five AM. Gotcha. What what time will yeah. you're you're saying that the that hot or sorry that the new LCS broadcast will start at seven AM? Um, I guess it depends on when the time zone switch happens. Gotcha. If that makes sense, yeah. But it's still between five and seven a.m. So, so pretty oh, sorry, early. Sorry, when when I mean time zone, I mean like daylight savings. Gotcha. Right. Did yeah. you say isn't it six uh, or seven, or do you guys have a two-hour daylight savings time difference? Uh, so we go. I think like either forward, but you guys will go back at the same time. Oh, so that's why it's, it's a two-hour difference. Yeah, yeah. All this it time, I had no idea. That's fascinating. Because they're Southern Hemisphere. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. If, if the way that they optimize for daylight would be the opposite of us. Wow. Yeah. Papa Smith. So I... Today I learned about <laughs> Australia. Um, Are. And really in the future. Yes. Okay. So what is your take? Uh, yep. So my take is the biggest loser from the LCS time change is the players. Um, so given the start time, um, the live audience viewership is going to be at an all-time low. And that will have a potential impact on future international performances um, for lands in front of um, big audiences. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, do you want to um, expand so, a little bit on this? Go for it. Yep, yep. So I'll, I'll just uh, give my stance on it. So I think the weekdays aren't necessarily a bad thing. Um, there's a lot of uh, traditional sports that do quite well um, at night on weekdays. Um, however like a 12, what is it? 12 PM start. Um, I don't know how anyone, or like the majority of the audience for League of Legends is getting older. I don't know how any of them are going to like watch the game, um, in the studio cause they're going to be working. Um, that's pretty much my take. Like if you're, so say you're a young player, like maybe like tenacity or something, the audience you're going to be playing to uh given the t current time is going to be like your mom 10 other peoples and the, the caster casters um that's pretty much my take the only other question i've got is um for the playoffs what's the expected dates and times that's going to be will that also be on weekdays um at they like said it's going to be during the weekend like oh sorry playoffs finals are during weekends i don't know they haven't said start time or at least i don't think they have um, but yeah, I don't know. I assume playoffs outside of that will be on Thursday, Friday, but I'm not, maybe I missed that part of the article. I mean, I think that's interesting in itself. Like if you have what your quarterfinals, um, pretty much having no audience, that's kind of strange to me. I mean, that's a very good point. Like the impact that this will have on 
and I think some people have talked about this. It's it's hard because you it's like do you really optimize for the three hundred people that could be in the arena or whatever it's going to be after they like change the arena, or do you like I? It is hard sometimes to make the argument for that audience. However, I think playing without an audience during COVID has demonstrated how valuable that audience can be, and like. I know, you know, the casters have talked a lot about how good yeah, it feels to be playing in front of, or to be casting in front of an audience, and how much that flows into it. So, for sure, and I think Travis, that that point is an interesting one. Where if you ask the players if they like notice or resonate with a studio audience, you know, not a stadium, obviously, the answer is usually no. Like it doesn't actually make a huge impact. It's more about the white noise and the different setup and things like that from playing at the compound to playing on stage. But for casters, it is a really big difference. You remember all the caster alliance from Azale and people like that about like, wow, if, you know, it hits diff with the full crowd here. And I think that is something that is being lost. And one of the questions I actually asked at the meeting was, now that you know that theoretically the audience is going to be poultry, right? Like it's going to just be impossible to mobilize 300 people at 12 p.m. Um, do something different with the space. You know, if it's a modular studio and you can do something different there I, I think if you just have this weird awkward silence you know like the viewing uh, viewing experience at home is going to be worse also with no crowd audio so i hope they find clever ways to do something with now ostensibly empty space i don't know what that is are we having a rave in the middle of the stage i mean sushi dragon didn't work so maybe that won't work but um you know i think they have to um, do something did you, did you ever watch the gaffies no um, well, there's this great award show called The Gaffies, and this really clever guy, Travis Gafford, recorded mm -hmm. a bunch of versions of himself staring, standing up and clapping and cheering. And so anytime he told a joke, um, you know, even though there was no one there to laugh, they, they went to this kind of composite shot of everyone cheering. We're going to do that. We're going to have fake audio. I, I really hope we don't have fake audio. That would be bad. I'm going to have a soundboard for like things like a laugh if I make a good joke or a groan if it was like a bad pun to like a cheer when people go crazy. I'm going to have a little little swisher i mean it's gonna be like seinfeld or something so <laughs> yeah. i went to ludwig's smash event this past weekend uh which was at the golden guardians new facility and it was like them talking about stuff while on a couch there's people behind i know a lot of people are familiar with like bts or beyond the summit type stuff like there are a lot of these broadcasts that can feel very fun when they are in what sort of is like a chiller vibe right like it's a more casual Setting, setting no. People are hanging out like, you know, uh, the for before co-streaming, there was the sort of side um, casting thing. Like they did the alternate stream or whatever, where it was just like a couple players doing a, a game or something like that. That stuff, I think, is very cool. Um, the concern I have is that right, like in those situations, an audience feels less important because it's just people goofing around, right? The concern I have is that Riot has min-maxed on the idea that like you need to have a very professional, very impressive, professional setting. And when you're doing that, and yet you don't have an audience to that like feels like it's attached to this very professional, high-quality broadcast, I think you are kind of creating a very, uh, I don't know, just you're, you're telling two different stories about what this is, right? Like... It just feels very at odds with each other, and it's almost a situation where if I'm like, if you're not going to have an audience, to your to your point, Papa Smith, you're like, 
completely changed the tone of this broadcast. I mean, like, the, word, the word I'd use that you're kind of a, a, you, looking for an analogy for is like Uncanny Valley, where it's yes. like, and I think the Uncanny Valley effect is what I brought up. Is like if I watch it and I'm like, okay, I know there's no audience, it's quiet, this is weird. Like that's already a problem. They need to solve for it with something compelling instead, and that's hard. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it should be, but if it's well, just if, if my first thought watching the games is, wow, I really noticed that no one's there, then they already fucked up. Well, it's, it's like Captain Flowers coming out and being like, and here we go, everybody. It's time for the match. And then you just hear like crickets in the background. That feels really bad. Yeah. So you need to, like, in my opinion, completely shift the tone of the broadcast to account for the fact that, like, you, you know, Fla- Flowers has to feel more like whenever he's commentating his own streams, maybe with a little less vulgar language. Um, and or more and, or more um and and less like i don't know it's just it's bizarre i mean the, the point you're, you guys are making is true i feel like it, do, it doesn't really gel with like riot's general ethos towards esports at their their company uh which is that they want to have like this like we're a triple a game and we have triple a experiences and blah 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 and we're, we're the premier esport and you kind of see that even, even in like the lec which is like you know pretty stylized and cool like it still is very much a professional feeling product and like there is a general vibe that all the regional leagues in the world hit even some of the you know minor region ones like cb lol and stuff have this kind of vibe um and it would I, I don't know if they'll you know go to a bts pivot to save it so it's like what i think you have to look at other solutions unless you know really is, is a sudden pivot coming in um the other thing i'll say I want to ask Papa Smith because we've kind of tangented into like, again, how it feels for viewers, for players to get back to the original take. Like, have you talked with your players a little bit about it? I know you have a fair amount of uh, Koreans coming over. So like you kind of also have like a fresher perspective maybe from them if they've heard the news, like, and I I don't, I guess I don't want to like say like Prince said he hates it or something, but like, if you've heard from the players on the team, like, you know, how are people feeling? I've seen double if like tweet other people or say some meme shit, but I haven't really heard like, uh, you know, a general sentiment. I, I can talk to this too, by the way. I, yeah. I can't speak to it very much with the new players because I haven't been in person with them. They're in Korea, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I can say that traditionally players very rarely talk about the crowd unless it's like I was on the interview stage with like a full packed house, you know, and playoffs or something like that. Obviously, they'll feel it there at a stadium. They feel it, too. Um, so I can't speak to that side. And the Korean players definitely didn't bring it up because, again, for them, everything once they sit down is about, you know, blocking out. The crowd noise just awkwardly there is no crowd noise now theoretically so that's the that's the change yeah i uh and i've reached out to a couple of players because i was hopeful that the players association would i really want people to rally against this and it seems like i in my conversations with people it feels like people are kind of unwilling to come out publicly and actually have a stronger take um than like expressing concern um but the players are that I've spoken to are worried about it, but they saw the data, quote unquote the data, and are seemingly open to the idea of giving it a try. Like there's a lot of people I talk to, players and otherwise, who are down to like give it a try and hope that Riot will change things if it doesn't go well. Again, my concern continues to be that like this is not you shifting one day to a Monday and like everything's the same. It's like, this is a pretty 
I don't know how recoverable giving this a try is. And like how what is the failure state to Papa Smithy's earlier point wherein you would go back to something else? So I yeah, the players I think are more just sort of like concerned or curious but are wanting to see how it goes. I don't think as many people are as alarmed as I am about the like long-term re- repercussions if if people decide well, this isn't working. Uh, yeah, I mean this is again my tangent, but like <laughs> the thing is like there's a question of even you say push back against it, but it's this whole change was made with a global ecosystem in mind in terms of like, if you want to go back, you'd have to talk to the European branch and you'd also have to talk to the NA Valorant and like all that stuff. And so like not only in the future, if it fails, but even right now, like, I mean, you could um, change the times, the, the weekdays are tough, but the times are the bigger, the bigger thing. Yeah. 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 If the time's approvably an issue, I think the times will change. That's that's my current perspective with the information I have. Yeah, I just worry about how much damage will be done before then. The bear in the chat says, do the players not understand if the league fails, they don't have jobs? Players do not understand. Like, just as a general statement. I'm not talking about even this situation. They don't understand. Um, So do not... Travis, something I'll bring up is that Riot did go to every team during... I don't know if it's end of spring, early summer. You know, Jackie was there to brief to teams. You know, I was there 100 Thieves. And the briefing tone was basically things aren't good. We all need to improve um, because viewership is down year on year. Um, so definitely the Riot message was we all need to pitch in and find different ways to fix the decline we're in. You know, whether it's like produce more content, stream more, be more visible. So the idea that they would then go and you know, blow up the LCS doesn't fit tonally with what they were trying to do. Now, if they're wrong or if they're using bad data, et cetera, and it causes that, like, of course, that's something that can happen. But I can tell you the tone was what we're doing now isn't working. We need to find new solutions. So that seems to be what they're shooting. And, I, and I'm glad you say that because one of the things I had in the video that I haven't done a good job of mess it, uh, uh, talking about tonight is that, like, a lot of the conversation that I've seen online is the idea that Riot doesn't care about the LCS or that they are okay with it failing. And like that could not be further from the truth based off of everyone that I have spoken to. And like, even if you just think about it, guys, here's my whole thing on Riot. Riot is a company, like if it was a person, it would have a huge ego. Like the the company just has a huge ego. They think that they are the best, they can do the coolest shit, et cetera, et cetera. Their premier esports failing in their own region and like you know the one that gets played across the street from their headquarters like it crumbling and dying in north america would be really bad like that is not something any of these folks want even from even if you're not willing to take it from the ego perspective the north american sponsors and brands are incredibly important for worlds and valorant they spend a lot of money like if the esport doesn't exist in North America, they're gonna lose a shit ton of money even on the global scale for cover, for covering the costs of worlds and all that stuff. So like they like no one it the starting conversation needs to be or the place we all start this conversation needs to be from from Riot wants League in North America to succeed as an esport. And then you can talk about like why the fuck are they doing this? It shouldn't be like, well, clearly they've given up because that's just not where that's not the case. And if we want to keep on the hopium train for a second here, it's also not the case that the LCS will like ever die completely. 
Um, I think a lot of people are like, oh, dead league, dead league. And I, I know that's that's partially just hyperbole, but like um, for Riot, the perspective is that it's a global esport, and like they will never like let a region as big as North America just completely die. They're just gonna like you're not gonna wake up in a year or two and like. Oh yeah, China and Korea are still huge, but like the LCS just doesn't exist, or North America doesn't have any league or whatever. Even if it goes through changes, even if like it gets scaled down or something, like there's still going to be league esports for as long as there are league esports, or there's still going to be North American league esports as long as there's a global esport because they want everyone to go in together. Like so many regions have leagues that are still smaller than North America and stuff like that. Um, and so while this change, like Travis is saying is scary <laughs> and uh you can question about the decision making around it at the end of the day it's not like this is going to fail and like because people are like oh this is how you take it out back to shoot it you 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 make a bad decision the numbers go down and then you say see it wasn't worth it and you kill it and like that's just not going to happen because that's not their philosophy on like what a global esport is to them um and so in that sense if you're a north american fan who is just like scared right now that your your scene is going to die it's not going to die um I mean, i'm scared it might die for you I'm, I'm scared it will get to a point where it cannot sustain much of the third-party ecosystem, the organizations, et cetera, that surround it, right? Well, like, I mean, death death is a a, uh, a relative term. Dead yes. for who is, is a good point. But uh, in terms of, like, non-existent, it will phase out of existence is, is like, not going to happen. Whether yeah. it goes – like, an example of dead to a lot of people would, would be it goes into an online league. I think it's fair to call that dead, <laughs> um, even if it is still around at that point, you know? Like, there's there's some – spectrum of what dead means to you the, the last premise thing i see though is, is what if the viewership goes up right like what if somehow this is like actually the best possible like the numbers go up we're up 50 percent year on year then people are just going to say well no north americans are watching it and push for you know north american viewer metrics and things like that like again it comes back to the communication where nothing is clear on what they're solving for like they should at least come out and say that they're trying to get a bigger slice of North American viewers because that's what they tell us and the players they're trying to do with these changes. Yeah, it so. just does not... I I agree that they should say that if that's their philosophy. It is so hard for me to believe that with the decisions they're making. Like, it is just... Mm -hmm. They've not convinced... It's It feels as though they've not convinced really anyone. From the people I talk to, everybody has, like, pretty high levels of skepticism. There are people who are not, like... Thinking that they are, there are people who are less concerned than I am, I don't know anyone who is excited about this change. Um, by the way, uh, I just want to address one thing really quickly before we move on to the next caller because we're we're running way over time. Um, David Shinock in the chat, congrats, you got your name right uh, because that's how fired up I am. Uh, said that uh, like, oh, I can't believe that this wasn't discussed more before it was voted on. Again, like this was. Uh, Basically, from my understanding, unilaterally decided. Um, there was no teams who got to vote on this. I don't think the, the players associate. I know the players association did not get to vote on this. This was not a decision that was made at the ecosystem level. It was a decision that was made without that. And like, I am. Here's what I will say. I know that at least some of the LCS leadership was involved in the decision to go with Thursdays and Fridays. It is not clear to me, setting that aside, it is not clear to me right now that the LCS leadership was as down for noon. Um, that's not to say that they weren't, but I haven't heard anything. I've heard a lot of like, oh, this is actually what LCS wants for Thursday, Friday. 
I it is not clear to me that this is not a thing that global is is pushing on the noon thing, which makes me even more concerned. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mark, do we have more calls on this, or or are we moving on from the topic? I'm trying to think if there's. Uh, we have like one or two more calls, but like not. Um, there's there's a lot more Papa ones coming up soon. Okay. Cool. Well, um, I'm just trying to... I have one angry this. fan who's just like, I got fucked over. Uh, okay, cool. I, I yeah, meant we'll, to put we'll, him we'll, earlier, we'll, but I'll I lost track of him. Final so. thoughts for that then. Uh, Monkey Jam, thank yeah. you so much. Is there anything else you want to shout out before we uh, go on to the next caller? Yep. Uh, just shout out to Travis Gafford Industries for some of the best League of Legends content, um, Alienware, and Grubhub. Hey, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Right, bye. <clears throat> okay. Off Mark goes, shouting out some more subs. Thank you to uh, Notorious Bubble, Cubby, hello Cubby, and then Adventure Time. Thank you, everybody, for the subs. Cubby for LCS. Make it happen. Yes. Uh, I mean, if he's available in the middle of the day, I'm sure. Earthrat is here. <laughs> Earth, Earthrat, where are you calling from? Uh, calling from New Jersey. New Jersey. I'm going to turn you up because you're a little quiet. Um, can you say something again? Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, that's a little bit better. Cool. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? So I wanted to ask Papa Smithy uh, if he could elaborate a bit on what exactly the difference is in his role between 100T and now at FlyQuest, um, especially for those of us who like aren't more aren't really familiar with like you know how like league organizations are like designed, organized, etc. From a management perspective. It's a pretty short answer, so if you have any follow-ups, feel free. But um, obviously, like, there's different levels of leadership. General manager sits above head coach, you know, and, and largely a general manager's job is around making sure the League of Legends department of an organization functions, communicating with Riot and, and roster decisions. And that was my previous job at 100 Thieves. Traditionally, at a big org, above that will be VP of Esports, which is basically like the GM of all the GMs. Um, they're kind of like a middle manager between the team-specific things and the ownership um, or the leadership, the CEO, the CGO, the C-level titles. Um, and then at the top, CEO, COO, president. These are like literally the people in charge of the direction of the company in all facets, not just the competitive side. So um, my, I've gone from being in charge of League of Legends to being in charge of the entire future of FlyQuest alongside a CEO, Brian, who we brought on a couple of weeks ago. So that's like the short answer there. Was there any like follow-ups around that or, or questions you had? Uh, yeah, I guess I was going to... Um, I guess, could, could you like give examples? I'm sorry, I'm just like not quite familiar with like what a CEO of an esports organization no exactly so does. That's fair. 100 Thieves is probably the easy example to um, use. Like, the CEO is Nateshot. He is obviously the person who came up with the 100 Thieves concept, who's very much the front man. Like, you'll see him on all the content and speaking towards the company. Um, and then John Robinson, who you see next to him, um, is the COO, Chief Operating Officer, so the more businessy guy, I guess, to Nateshot. Um, and he also has the president title in that case. It's a little bit different at ours where the CEO is Brian. He's more on the business side of things. And then um, the CGO and, and the president, like I, I'm kind of like the, the Trisha, I guess, um, is the best example I can use where I'm the, the most front-facing person you'll see in content speaking about 
uh, FlyQuest. And I saw you smiling there, Travis. Obviously, some differences between me and Trisha, but no, no, um, like trying that. to be a public face for the org. Um, yeah, I I think it's interesting. I mean, what are the things that you are most excited about doing? I know you talked a lot about like being in a position where you get to guide the overall strategy in a way that um, perhaps it was it was more limited before. But are there any specific things you're really excited to dive into? Like, I know uh, FlyQuest has Smash players, right? Are they in anything else, or is it Smash right now? Right now, it's Smash players and League of Legends. Just the, so the so I don't know if you're there. excited about, like, getting to dip your toes into the Smash side or maybe other esports in the future. Like, what what are the things that you're most excited that this opportunity affords you? Yeah, I mean, with the CGO title, obviously, we're evaluating new games to step into. Um, so watching on with interest the Valorant scene, you know, whether it's VCT or Ascension and kind of understanding what's happening in that ecosystem, new titles coming out, like those things are for sure there. Uh, I was a multi-game caster back in the OGN days, you know, I cast Hearthstone and, and Overwatch. So getting to see things from the other side and understand how other scenes work, like fighting game scene is so different from um, the League of Legends scene, right? Like a bit more of a hybrid creator competitor role, a lot more of... Um, attending these small lands and things like that. So obviously that's interesting. I think around the League of Legends program, the biggest thing that right now I'm focused on is um, new fan acquisition, you know, growing kind of FlyQuest stake among the LCS fans. I think, I imagine you get leaked this data all the time, Travis, like the idea of like, you know, who are you a fan of in the league and things like that. And FlyQuest was always everybody's like second or third favorite team, like appreciated for um tree quests and the different quests that they did and in general held in good regard but when it came to like hardcore fans that was something that we haven't necessarily made huge impacts on and i think i've always had a lot of ideas of how to build fandom it's something i thought about a lot as a caster it's things i wanted to enact at hundred thieves that didn't quite come together so specifically around things like content and how to um feature the players and, and my philosophy around how to make that happen it isn't okay, well, I'm arguing for League of Legends resources over here, but, you know, Nate Shot's doing his vlogs. We have four other teams. We have many creators that also need access to those resources. Now now I can decide a lot of what content looks like for FlyQuest and, and how we work on getting the new fans. Because it's one thing to have a, a stacked roster. Like, obviously, I'm very optimistic about the competitive results. But competitive results in a vacuum doesn't actually build as much fandom as people think it does you need to surround that with lots of reasons for fans to buy in and that's the part i'm ideating hiring and trying to trying to chase down so i don't i haven't talked a lot about this and, I, and i'm i want to i want to show you know i want to i want to actually get some stuff out there and show why people should be fans of FlyQuest rather than say pretty words like i did as a caster i think i'm excited about what we can show in january and february for sure and, are, and when you're talking about um, looking for new fans for FlyQuest, given the changes, is that going to be stay-at-home moms? Or what are you? what is the demo that you think will be best targeted given the new schedule? That's a good, that's a good zinger. Um, look, at the end of the day, like I'm hopeful that there will be people interested in watching the LCS. Now we can laugh about whether they'll be able to live, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, there should be new, new people following the LCS after a world final. Like There just has to be, especially a world final that had a lot of um, strong narratives around it, you know, like there was, I felt like this was the most accessible world final in years, which is crazy thinking it was Korea versus Korea in, in North America, right? But whether you're a fan of anime or, um, you know, casual fan from 10 years ago who remembers Deft and, and, and Faker, you know, in their prime, um, 
you had lots of ways to jump in. So there will be new fans next year. Even if you just say, okay, it's Thursday, Friday crowd, which we're shooting to compete with um, Tyler One. Like, even if you want to be super cynical, then there will be some people who will take some interest in the LCS. So it, with that kind of like supposition of there will be new people interested in North American League of Legends, it's my goal to make it so that if you're a new fan, you want to be a fan of FlyQuest. And for people who follow other legacy orgs that might be waxing and waning and they're interested in the LCS, you know, we're here, we're loud, we're proud, and we're going to do lots of cool stuff. So again, that's talk, but I'm excited to show it next year. Mark, do we have any um, FlyQuest roster calls? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. We have uh, one more that's more about like Papa specifically, and, and then we also have a FlyQuest Okay, I will save thing. my... We have, my have, we have two FlyQuest fans. Uh, nice. Awesome. Uh, they're here. Earthrat, thank you so much for the call. Anything that you want to shout out before we go on to our next caller? Just shout out to TGI and uh, the sponsors. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller, so uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Bye. and we'll catch thank you next time. All right, Mark is off to grab the next caller. A uh, quick mention to folks... Um, Please, please stick around after the show. I'm going to be streaming for two hours. It's going to be a very chill stream where I'm hanging out. We can do some AMA stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a sponsored stream um, for a Marvel game. You can actually do exclamation mark Marvel in the chat right now. And between now and the next seven days, if you hit level two, and especially if you hit level 10, there's like extra if you get level 10. That's a very great way to support the channel, as it were, um, if you do that through my link. So... Uh, but please stick around so that you guys can keep me company while I'm playing that game. Uh, Scott is here. Scott, where are you calling from? Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. What do you want to talk about? Wait, are you our second Fort Worth caller? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think, yeah, Fort Worth. Okay. Uh, fantastic. Well, hey, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I just want to talk about how I don't think that the LCS teams keep their general managers long enough to fully to fully kind of flesh out the vision that they had when they came into the roster. Um. I kind of see this with uh, specifically Peter Dunn and EG, um, and also you know kind of Papa Smithy leaving as soon as you know we had the three back-to-back to back final appearances from Hundred Thieves, and then it kind of just gets kind of snuffed out a little early, in my opinion. Um, I kind of did a quick Google search on like traditional sports. I know you love comparing to traditional sports, but based on Google, I saw that in general about half of uh, NHL, NFL, and NBA half of those leagues tend to keep their GMs for more than five years. And some of the top three or so keep their GMs for more than fifteen years, which and in the LCS, and none of the LCS teams GM have kept every couple of years their yeah. teams for fifteen or their GMs for fifteen. So that's like really embarrassing. Um, yeah, but just quick, quick correction: Peter Dunn, not the GM for EG, uh, head of coaching or what was he called? Oh, my mistake there. Yeah, Andrew's been over there for a while, so he's he. They are actually an example of a, an organization that's kept a GM for a while, but. Um, why do you think it is that, like, what, what is the value in keeping a GM for so long, Scott? I just think that it takes time to, you, you set these ideas, you, you know, you, you get hired, you set the, uh, yeah, kind of a, a progress that you want to go throughout the years to be able to, and you have a certain vision that you want your team to be. You know, sometimes you have instant success and it's very obvious and your path becomes very clear, but sometimes, you know, you're a bottom tier org, you need more time. To, to kind of rebuild your brand, kind of re, re-get notoriety so you can sign good players and start winning. And I think it just takes time, and the GMs aren't given enough of it. 
Uh, all right. Well, Papa Smith, you want to start us off coming from the GM role? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you're right that Peter Dunn wasn't a GM, but obviously he had a lot of vision, right? And him and Andrew put together a very compelling program, and people obviously are concerned that that's changed or no longer will be. I know there's a lot of smart people at that org. Um, I think of like Nasser and, and, and Andrew who and Kelsey now who will obviously put it out there. But I think the caller's point around kind of like the, the value of vision in esports can definitely be debated where it feels like every esports year is like seven normal years. Like feels like I've been at 100 Thieves a long time and even though it was like three calendar years. Um, and also year on year, things can change. Like it was at the end of 2020, FlyQuest was a contender org, second, second, went to Worlds, um, went three and three, and then obviously budgets were cut. And it feels like there's definitely less room for windows or championship windows to be kind of like established or coupled together over a few years and then slowly invested in and built up because there is a bit more instant gratification. And I don't know if that's because like a lot of orgs are, you know, venture capital backed or people just lose patience fast because it's gaming and not traditional sports. But there is definitely kind of a what have you done for me lately approach when it comes to how GMs are viewed, but players and kind of everybody, there is definitely even this like new toy philosophy of if a player doesn't hit in one split or has a strong split that starts to throw away, people are ready to kind of, you know, trash them and start with somebody new. So I think that definitely it does feel like there are shorter attention spans. And if you come in wanting to enact a slow build, which is what I did at the start of 2020, you have to also be ready for your boss to say, well, actually, can we win now? Like you, you have to be willing to pivot fast because you you won't be given years to enact a vision. Yeah, uh, Mark, what do you think about uh, this? The, it's, it's a T sports analogy, so we we got to bring yeah, in yeah. I was guy. I was typing a revenge before I unmuted. Um, I think that like I I don't like I followed pro sports for a while, T sports, uh, and I feel like the overall ecosystem is more stagnant um you know like in a lot of ways who knows if you know league makes it 50 years 100 years like some of these sports are, are pushing you know um but it does feel you know kind of like it's still kind of early days in a sense where like things just change rapidly and how you run your challenger scene you were franchising only you know, that was still only five years ago we're coming up on, you know, that like wasn't that long ago. So even if you had a five-year fucking plan, you you literally still wouldn't even be hitting it if you were uh, laying that out in franchising or whatever. And like, I don't think fifth you could year, have predicted. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's coming up on the fifth year. So like, it, yeah, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Okay, I can't do math. Your five-year plan just ended, right? Like now you can retro and see how you did or something, right? Like, Well, how many of those orcs like, are around that tried to enact a five-year plan, right? Even the orcs have turned over since then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like the, just the rate of change in esports is is so much larger that like I can somewhat understand this more aggressive pace. Though I do agree if you're trying to like enact something like what eg has been talking about recently about like oh well we want to convert players from the hot new other games to league and get them in or, or something like that like you're realistically looking for four or five years and i guess that's like somewhat what 100 thieves did you could argue with like tenacity and busio and these guys that they kind of had their hands on for a while stuff like that um but like again that's that's kind of tough to do in the league esports system so i i do understand a little bit of the the higher turnover rate yeah, 
I uh, I don't have much to speak on this because I'm an idiot when it comes to anything uh, GM or coachy or whatever. But I'm glad that both Mark and Papa Smith are here to answer your questions, Scott. Uh, anything you want to shout out before we take a quick break? I uh, no, I just want to shout out you know Alienware Grubhub, of course. Um, my boy Josh and Papa Smithy for winning the offseason. Thank you so much for the call. Catch you next time. All right. We're going to take a quick break to talk about Grubhub. Shout out to Grubhub. Uh, so if you are a Grubhub user, uh, there's a very good chance that you have seen your Grubhub recap pop up. But if you are able to access your Grubhub recap or you haven't seen it pop up yet, we're going to do something kind of fun uh, this week, a little different than normal. If you tweet that a screenshot of your recap to myself and Numi, that's at Numi, N-U-M-I-I, wait, three I's, right? Numi, it's triple I. Uh, N-U-M-I-I-I on Twitter. Uh, yes, you're linking in the chat, but I think it's also important to say verbally for podcast listeners. Uh, tweet it at me and her and just a screenshot of it, and you'll have a chance to win a Grubhub gift card. Uh, this coming week. So thank you so much. We'll do the drawing, I think, on probably on Sunday is when we'll cut it off. And so we'll we'll pull from the people that have tweeted their Grubhub recaps to us. But there's your chance uh, for getting a Grubhub gift card. Thank you so much to Grubhub for sponsoring uh, the show. I guess I can say, because I think it'll come out this week, that we have completed, and there's only a little bit of editing left to do on it, the next episode of Dinner With which I don't think I've said previously. Maybe I have, but it's with Emily Rand. Hey! So coming out this week, we'll have a uh, really long, awesome interview with Emily talking about her life, getting into esports and moving on the broadcast and just a lot of really interesting stuff. So uh, thank you so much to Emily for appearing on that. We're recording another episode tomorrow with another person who I won't say yet. But um, How come you haven't re recorded with me yet, huh? Fuck. Do you do you want to? I feel like it's uh, difficult to get you to do things sometimes. What? It's easy. I only record episodes with people who will tell me that they're planning on getting engaged soon, um, and will tell me about uh -huh. how they've bought the ring and all that stuff. Uh -huh. you know? All right. It's, it's got to be something I'm particularly close with. Anyway, thank you so much to Grubhub for sponsoring the show. And, uh, and stay tuned for the Dinner With episode. Also, be sure to get in on that giveaway. Anyway, thank you to Danny Grimm for gifting five subs, Elmo Kill for gifting five subs, and Hammersmith as well for the subs, or for the sub. Really appreciate it. Uh, and Mark is back with our next caller, which is Knox War, who I don't think was in the waiting room. This is a... Uh, what happened, Mark? He was in the waiting room, and then he, he left or something, and then I had to pull him back. I don't know. Gotcha. Okay. Well, anyway, Knoxworth, welcome back. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. Wow, so many Texans calling in tonight. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I wanted to gas up FlyQuest a little bit, and I wanted to gas up Papa Smithy a little bit and say that Papa Smithy is the man who's going to take FlyQuest to being a Tier 1 org in the esports scene, along with the likes of Cloud9, TSM, 100 Thieves, Team Liquid, etc. All right. Uh, why do you think this? I think in the past years of watching his time on 100 Thieves, as well as just his time on various esports shows, you can tell the intelligence and what he can do with his teams and what he can develop. 
And I think FlyQuest made a very good choice in bringing him on. And, I mean, even the title of his new role, uh, President of Games, right? I think the expansions that we will see into other games or League of Legends in general will bring a lot to FlyQuest, who has generally been regarded as a Tier 2 org for the past couple of years, right? And so I think with the expansion, the new owners, so on and so forth, all these are priming up for a perfect formula to bring on a new era of FlyQuest. And that era will bring forth a world where FlyQuest is a household name in terms of esports. All right. Uh, Papa Smithy, I know this is a controversial call for oh. you, and it's a, it's a tough one, but... No, I mean, okay, here, here's what I will say. How reasonable is it to expect FlyQuest to become one of these, like, Team Liquids or Cloud9s or what TSM used to be? Like, what would it be? What are the chances that uh, you guys end up becoming something like this? Obviously, the goal is a lofty one to kind of expand our fan base and our voice in the, in the gaming space and esports. Like, that part is easy. Again, I think a lot of it is about I appreciate the trust people give, but it's a it's a daunting thing to do. Like it is a different landscape from when those orgs um, grew, you know, ten years ago. It's a very different space now, and I think I have a lot of ideas about how to tackle kind of that expansion, and even tackle even you know to your question about to be a C9 or a TL or a TSM. You know, again, you're, you're arguing former TSM. Like when I think about those orgs in a 2022 context, it's this is the org that's winning, or this is the org that used to win. Like there's, when it comes to actually carving out a niche and identity, I think that's something that FlyQuest did very well. Like we we had an identity that wasn't related to winning. It was an identity around inclusivity and around, um, you know, the initiatives that we put forward. And I think that's the sort of thing that will always underpin FlyQuest. Like that part will stay consistent, but then. The idea space about where we'd like to go next with more resources, with more funding, with a team that's hopefully going to do very well in the league, it's a pretty daunting one. You know, it's my first time stepping into a leadership position like that, and I want everybody to set really high expectations about what we can become. And I think the first step on that is to get people really invested in our League of Legends team. And again, merely winning is not the way to do that. I, I look at TSM 2011 as kind of the gold standard of what an LCS team should be. And if I, you know, and this is a boomer take to a lot of people and a lot of fans aren't around from then, the way I summarize TSM 2011 is, is that there were five very interesting people who I understood what Dyrus was about. You know, I understood what every single player on their roster was about, what their personality was like, their likes, dislikes. They were all interesting separately. And then they would come together to play competitive games together and I'd follow the group and kind of think about and machinate around how these five interesting people would come together with the information I had. And I think that's not how it is these days. It's, oh, that's Cloud9. And Cloud9 to most people is the team that went to Worlds in 2018 or one or two personalities or Jack. Um, it's And that's, that's the part that I want to break up is I'm going to work really, really hard with our players, with our content people to build up individual brands for all the players. And that should hopefully drive people to be excited and invested in seeing them succeed on the weekend. That's like currently my big goal there. And I don't think it's a, something that a lot of teams have thought about too much in the last couple of years. So that's the North Star I'm setting right now. Do you, yeah, do you feel like, because I think a lot of people look at 100T, Team Liquid, brands like that. And one of the things that's like 
people people think oh big premier esports org has a bunch of big influencers um, attached to them. You know, Hundred T in particular, I think is pretty good at that. Uh, you know, like a, a fairly decent merch business, a lot of sponsors. They're in, probably in a lot of different games. Like, do you? Do, how much of that do you think you guys need to get there? I know you mentioned early TSM, but you know how how much of those other things that are, are those teams have now do you need? So the conversations we're having, right, is if all those things are on the table, what feels right? And I think rushing into committing to a group of influences or multiple titles before we've even wholly got on top of our home game in League of Legends is a rush. But the answer is going to be case by case. Like, do they fit the FlyQuest? Do they fit the FlyQuest brand? Are they people that are what they would consider endemic for what we're already about? Um, are they in positions that we want to move into? Like these, these are things that we want to be very thoughtful on. But I think that a lot of our apparel is already pretty fire. Uh, we had Fiend over at the Esports Awards, and it was great to see her um, already recognized with a nomination there. Um, our League of Legends roster, again, feeling good about that. And this job is also speaking to the entire, like um, all, all the staff that work at FlyQuest and support what we have here already, and it's speaking to them to understand what FlyQuest was, talking to them about what FlyQuest can be, and, and understanding that we need to all have this mindset of, of reaching for greatness, you know, pushing for being the org that, you know, you can say in the same breath as the other orgs we were mentioning before. So the, sh the long answer is, is that none of that is decided, but all of it's on the table. And gotcha. so because it's me and because I'm the decision maker, I'm super happy to be... Um, you know, like in a year's time, people can look at what we do and don't do, and they can be like, that's a proper decision. You know, that's a choice they made rather than kind of a happenstance thing that happens with most other roles. Yeah. Um, I, maybe maybe I missed it. I admittedly got distracted for a second there. Um, for this upcoming split and summer split, what do you, th what do you think uh, goals are for like team in terms of performance? Um, like... Obviously, worlds with a roster like this, but like, do you think this is a team that is going to take a little bit to come together, or is it going to? Uh, I don't know if you've heard stories of Korea boot camp. It's like, nah, we're clicking already. Like, fans should expect a hot start. Like, what do you think? We held to super high standards, right? Um, you look at the names that are brought here; they're not brought in to make up the numbers. Um, and so, for that, it's very much we should be winning or contending to the last possible moment. To your question about will there be a warm-up time, I think there has to be. You know, we do have two people learning English for the first time and trying to get on top of that. I think around them having someone like Impact and now Song as bridges for the language and culture gap is going to be super helpful. But when we're on stage, the white noise is there, the fans hopefully are there too. Um, will there be moments where there'll be like a, a misunderstanding? For sure. I, I imagine we'll be hot starters, but shaky and potentially throw some games in the early weeks. But I don't think that I want to use any excuses about language and stuff like that to affect our final positions. You know, think of the regular season as some cultural bridging and then for playoffs, we should be winning. And if we're not, I'm going to try and find out why, because uh, expectations should be high. Um, Mark, is this our roster caller? Do we have another one? Uh, we have one other kind of FlyQuest caller, but we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Okay. Bye. Well, I'll just ask the question then. Um, so when you left 100T, you said that you felt as though the approach to roster building over there or like their goals 
um, I forget the exact wording that you used, uh, was you didn't feel it was the same as it was whenever you first joined the organization. Um, I don't know if you can speak to a little bit on how that had changed and shifted over time. And then maybe on the contrary, you know, how is FlyQuest more in line with what you were hoping to accomplish or the philosophy that you had in mind whenever you were over at 100T? Well, I think the language I used roughly was that the vision had changed. And when I joined, it was League of Legends, our primary title. Success in League of Legends has eluded us. So even though we got close in the first split, we want to invest. And in, whether it's a long-term plan or whatever it is, like League of Legends, our premier title, that's where things are at. And that's obviously how we built out the roster. We built out slowly. 2020 wasn't a year to write home about, but we built up a lot of good systems. Then budget increase and, and contending roster from there. Um, definitely the vision that was communicated to me about 2023 at the time, and again, all of this is time relative, was that those were no longer assumptions that we could build on. And I think that obviously, it's always disappointing to hear, but there's you know an economic reckoning for everybody out there and 2023 will be a difficult year for a lot of teams. Um, and so from there, it was about can we solve something that, that makes sense and, and make something that is compelling for 2023? Um, in my case, I was offered a more than 50% pay cut. Was I interested in staying? And I said yes. But ultimately, by the end, when it came, it was before Worlds, and we really didn't have any indicators locked down about what the future could be. And it wasn't really going to be decided till afterwards. And at that point, I'm just going to be unemployed for 2023. If I don't even know if things are secure for me or my team or what kind of roster I can build. So at that point, I just had to say like, Hey, what's happening. And in the end, because there wasn't information, it was just easier for both sides to move on proud of what I achieved in my time there. You know, that was the easier thing to do. Um, I was, you know, you, you never know when you're a free agent, right? Like there's always going to be the imposter syndrome of like, hey, will anyone be interested in working with me again? Even if, you know, you found success at your previous org. But um, that was kind of the, the scenario there. Um, and then with FlyQuest, the nice thing is, is that I'm moving to an org that owns traditional sports teams. We obviously, the ownership group owns the Florida Panthers. This is not a VC-based pickup. It's very much, this is part of our sports portfolio. We're looking at the long-term. We want to build fans. We want to build um, our esports side of the business. So you can tell from the roster that we clearly have one of the more pricey rosters in the LCS. Less than, the expenditure is always something people are going to be interested at. If this was a roster fielded in 2022, we would probably be third or fourth highest spend because the whole overall market has gone down. But, um, you know, it's a spendy roster. It's a splashy roster. We have um, a player who's going to pick up most player of the games, you know, like one of the MVP awards at the LCK awards um, in a couple of weeks and a, a rookie from Korea we're very excited about. So I think definitely the org I walked into was open to championship roster, but they were also open to a developmental roster if the championship pieces fell through. But uh Vickler came in early, Prince said he wanted to join. So damn it, let's try and win the whole thing, right? That's kind of the way the offseason goes. So it sounds like you, when you left, there was no, like the double if Bjergsen stuff had not started up. Because I think a lot of people I, get the timelines confused, right? Where they're like, mm -hmm. oh, pop, like I saw some people half joking in the chat saying like, oh, 
Papa Smithy hates Double Lift and Bjergsen or something like that, right? Because they don't the, the timelines get skewed. No, I think the funny thing is is that I think Hundred Thieves where, where where they were when I left and what they ended up with is like night and day. Like I think they super overachieved given the scenario they were in, and part of that was that both players were available. Like neither of those players were available back before Worlds, right? Bjergsen was on a multi-year contact contract on TL. Doublelift was considering unretiring, but was still retired at that time. And you think about what the lore is for those players, the 100 Thieves. Obviously, Doublelift has been very public in talking about the fact that he didn't join the team for salary. He's joining for what the org is, and the org is fantastic at doing content and branding. And I imagine you can have Doublelift and Bjergsen as Juvie ambassadors and things like that. I think there's a lot of brand add to um, Doublelift and Bjergsen from the 100 Thieves side, and then the roster they're able to field is is very compelling for what I imagine, if it's ever leaked or gets out there, I don't have the numbers, but I imagine it's going to be a pretty modest spend competitively for what should be a very competitive team, and with some players who I have a lot of love and affection for, you know, the rookies like Lucio and, and Tenacity that I both brought on to the amateur team. So I think, ultimately, for both sides, it, it worked out. Um, I think 100 Thieves have a super compelling roster and the opportunity of FlyQuest, you know, and the other opportunities that I declined to come to FlyQuest were also things I would find very exciting. So I think it's just a rare win-win in esports. You don't have them too often. Yeah, clearly yeah, I should so get my job basically, and see what offers I get. Uh, what Papa Smithy is, is saying there is that uh, he didn't know they were coming, so he can still hate them, but his decision was not influenced by the inclusion of, of Doublelift and Beard. Yes, yes, true. He might, he might hate them. Yeah. We don't know. He uh, might still hate them, but... But it's unconfirmed it. at this time. Noxworth, thank you for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we go on to our next caller? Yeah. Uh, so I had my co-host on here a couple weeks ago, and we are part of the Flight Check crew. We do a fan-based podcast for FlyQuest. But along with that, I'd like to just shout out, because you've been wanting to promote fan content in general, right? Um, NA Men, awesome group of people. Go check them out. 100 TalkPod as well. They run 100 Thieves one. Live Evil, EG one. C9 Body. They do it for Cloud9. Go check out all these awesome fan podcasts, and uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Catch you next time. All right, we've got two callers. We're going to have to move through them a little quickly, but off mark goes. Uh, thank you to Tameable Bread, Daddy Please Spank Me, Knight of Rohan, Photo LOL, and Lost3560 for the subs. Very appreciate it uh, for all the support. And uh, we should have Mark coming back here in just a second. This is our last show of the year. So thank you to everybody who's tuned in through 2022 and looking forward to doing the show in 2023 at our new time of 4.30 a.m. Uh, we think we've looked at the Twitch data and that's the best time. Elmo's here. Elmo, where are you calling from? Hey, I'm calling from Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. What do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so I, I have a take and a half, and my take is I'm actually really pumped about this uh, FlyQuest roster, um, although I'm not super familiar with Vikla and Prince. Um, I think I think uh, the other three are really strong, and I'm also super fucking bummed I won't be able to watch any of their games live. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so that's, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm the angry fan take and the uh, FlyQuest, uh, maybe not Copium, but Hopium tape, take. Very good. Um, and why do you feel this way? 
Um, about which part, the FlyQuest or the uh, the annoyance towards LCS? But but well, the FlyQuest part really. Um, so FlyQuest, I mean, I think this is a great example of good roster building as opposed to the normal shotgun approach that we see. Um, I mean, Impact is a stud, and with Spica as uh, getting to be a veteran at this point, uh, he'll be able to babysit Vikla if Vikla needs it. I don't know. Um, but that's always a good a good have, right? To have a, a, a veteran jungler when you have a younger mid. Um, and I think I think I was very impressed with Ayla uh, the few times that he's that he's played. Um, I've been very impressed with him. And I think I think they're just uh, I think they have a chance to be a hell of a lot more cohesive than a lot of the rosters we've seen in the past five years. Very good. All right, let's start with Mark on this one. Before we get to Papa Smithy, what is your take on the FlyQuest roster? And also, how hard is it to have a take, given how many of these players are from regions that you probably don't cover as much? Well, I mean, I don't know if you'd call Academy a different region. I mean, in, in <laughs> um, its own way. In its own way. Yeah, I mean, I, at least the next thing I'll say is Ayla always went far enough in the like Academy finals and proving grounds and stuff to like ha- end up watching him. You know, some of those other guys get knocked down the first couple of rounds. And I'm like, I, I really don't know what I'm saying about this person, but I, I watched enough of TLA and I also uh, am good friends with Spawn. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sold on Ayla. He also had that stint where he subbed in and like looked like one of the best supports in the league on Team Liquid. Uh, very stacked roster, but like they actually looked <laughs> really good during his time period. Which was like maybe the best time period that Team Liquid looked that year. Honestly, was when Ayla was in there. No shot at Core JJ, and like obviously a lot of things happened over the course of the year. But like, yeah, I'm very excited for him to finally get the opportunity. Um, I think Speak is just a really hype player, and it just was a tough last year for him. And Impact's obviously the greatest top laner of all time. So like, that's three really nice building blocks. I think uh, it's not a shotgun approach, but like your two carries being Korean imports, very familiar with me when we went Phoenix and Piglet, and I think uh, like. It, like the term firepower, like I, I don't know how, like a better term for it, but just like you feel like these guys have the ability to just pull games out of out of their ass sometimes, even if like the coordination is not 100% there or like you didn't have the great early game. Like sometimes they just make a play and you win a game. And like that is something that is uh, undervalued sometimes, I think. Like everyone wants like the consistent, everyone wants the big brain macro. And it's like, yeah, well, sometimes your player's an idiot and it's caught out of position, but he outplays them and it works out. So who cares? <laughs> and um, we'll see if, you know, Vikla and Prince can bring a lot of that care that they were having in, in the LCK. I will say I still have concerns about like if they can work as well together, but I do think the addition of Song coming over makes that feel a little bit better to make sure that there is um, some familiarity for Vikla and Prince uh, in the org, as well as, you know, obviously Papa's worked with a lot of Korean players before as well. So I think a uh, very, very good job building it. Uh, you didn't mention their very suspicious jungler. I didn't mention oh, Spica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very briefly. Very briefly. I mean, I said I was just, his last year was was, was tragic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Um. But I don't know. I just I just thought it was funny to have someone be like, yeah, I'm really excited for Papa's new roster. I just can't fucking watch it because of any time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, how? What one? I get like, while we're on the roster stuff, and before we get to the second part about not watching, can you? I know that you were not the one who was directly building the roster, mm-hmm. Papa Smith. But maybe you can talk a little bit about the philosophy and what those conversations were like as it was being built. Well, I'll cannibalize. We have a piece of content coming out later in the week with Nick and I talking about. You have a the piece philosophy. of content coming out. 
Come on, we, we did six video announcements and another piece of content coming out. I think we're clearly on the, the, the fans want content, content org. train. Yeah. And I just said we're going to try and make five interesting players with FlyQuest content into covering the matches. So we're committing to content. People like content, please follow the Twitter and YouTube for FlyQuest. But to your point, I think you know, I listened to your takes, Travis, and I think you've been the, the person kind of like popping the balloon a bit on Mark's optimism around the roster so <laughs> I th- and, I, and i think honestly like I, I saw some flyquest fans like ah travis is just a hater but wait really think, where yes. the flyquest subreddit because well, you are you are a hater like uh, that's fair i, I like the hater i, I think your narrative i used to be called a hundred uh, hater it's true you're just a pop smithy hater which no, is, that's oh, what we're learning here i oh pop smithy hater i thought because i used to be known as the shill and so i feel like if i've transitioned from shill but to you hater, only shilled their marketing you didn't shill their team well, I just mean like I was just known as a general shell. You know, people people still. Here's, say here's what I'll say, Travis. I think your point around five players who've never played with each other with language issues coming together and winning and the first split is unlikely. I think that's a, a very strong point. Like I think that's a correct narrative. That's not you examining each of these players' strengths and weaknesses whether they'll play together well. That's just yeah, that hasn't happened before. Why is it going to happen now? And I think that's a completely fair take on your side. To your question about the roster building philosophy of Nick and something that I support, um, the biggest thing about this team is is that it knows what it wants to be. Um, and by that, I mean that it was built around mid-jungle. So Speaker and Vikla are the kind of the big points there with the idea that mid-jungle opens up the side lanes. It's like the simple way of doing it. Mid-jungle or in unison, you push it in, you roam, you dive. There's definitely a lot of early aggression that we're hoping comes together in this roster. Now it's kind of something that's set in NA and goes to die, but that is the intention. Um, but the roster is probably going to function in a pretty similar way to how uh, Sandbox functioned last year. And again, if you didn't watch LCK, which a lot of our viewers didn't, Prince is probably the most demanding vocal AD that you can ever ask for. Like Dove, when he played top lane for Sandbox, would like give up every wave. At, it's kind of like season four Uzi style. Like all the side <laughs> lanes go to Prince. The shot calling, Prince is a big shot caller. I'm listening to scrims. Even with his limited English, Prince is the loudest person and talking the most. Um, and Impact is someone who has shown that whether he's got resources or not, he will make it work. Like this roster is to make Prince the MVP of the league. Like if he's not winning double MVP, we're doing something wrong. So. I think Prince is the player that a lot of people will watch. He's a bit of a shit talker. He already um, is willing to do content like that, like the end of our announce. So he should be the stud of the roster. And that doesn't mean that Vikla and Speaker won't carry games too, right? They're both very, very talented players. But I think this is going to be the Prince show for sure. Okay. I looked and uh, it's not on the subreddit but people in the chat say that it was the travis hate was on discord so i'm now joining the FlyQuest discord look you don't need to go like travis We're do we really have this travis. ego so, thing going on here he's yes. he's so insecure look at this uh, guy we just had I, a uh, chat and i defended you in the chat there's Tim literally Kent nothing going Resistance on here. says if i'm honest i take travis's word the least when it comes to rosters oh you're That's in here defending point, me though. i appreciate this this was on the 13th Travis is lame, says McCone. Travis is kind of biased, says Weldon. Not, not wrong. Uh, Travis, are you the sort of person where if you heard someone said something, you have to like chase it up and get all the facts and get really emotionally hurt on things? Is he like that, Mark? 
He's got a, a running dock of everything anyone has ever said to him. Oh means. boy, he's got the equivalent of the like season four Mythy Int list. Or I what? don't watch uh, Death <laughs> Note, but, or anime, but if I did, it would be Death Note. I hear, I hear good things. I, I um, philosophically. I, I, I saw. It. I, I talked about how people thought I was hate reading, and I, I realized I, I phrased it wrong. Uh, where, where I said I like go to go to subreddits whenever something dramatic happens to see what people are saying about it. Uh, and I mean, like, like just, I mean, look, I'm an org person, so whenever you beat. TSM, you watch TSM Legends to watch their side of their lost. Yeah, of course, yeah. right. That's and, the thing you and, do. And people, people in the comments, are like, "Wow, Mark's so so salty." And I was like, "Nah, man, it's just kind of fun." I don't know. I'm, I'm not. If people watch shit talk me too, like, go ahead. It's, I think it's just anything that gets people invested, man. So, Travis, you're just doing a good job. You're making people. You're, you're the heel for for FlyQuest. That's fine. Did you see all the CLG clips of me when they put out that video of uh, yes. <laughs> like their end of year like running? The, I will the say, I mean, back. I I think Pop Smithy was also kind of saying this, but I don't think I don't think anything I'm sa saying is that controversial. This reminds me of um, in 2019. Like I haven't ever had like it's been very rare that I've, I'll piss off like an entire community of, of fans or something. But in 2019, I had the very controversial take that G2 was were not the favorites to win worlds. And by saying, and this was before Worlds started, and by having this take, the G2 fans got very angry with me. Um, and That's because it was, was ridiculous. They just won MSI, Travis. Yeah. Yeah. What happens when you, you wear your emotions on your sleeve? I mean, a story I haven't told is um, for the World Final, I, was, I cast that World Final G2 FPX, and um, they, we were doing predictions. They asked for my prediction, and I really thought FPX was going to win. Um, so I predicted FBX 3-1. Um, I actually thought it was going to be a 3-0, but I knew that if I was wrong, I was going to look like a complete douche. So I, I just said 3-1. That was me being weak. Weak moment for me. <laughs> uh, um, I've been weak before. Everyone we've all been this, weak okay. in predictions because you have to deal with the death threats and the DMs. But regardless, <laughs> I was very sure FBX was going to win. And then I put in the prediction, and legit, the other EU casters were like, completely like basically like raging at me I mean, how could you say this and like you know it, it's almost like you're like um affecting the results somehow you know i was like hey i just i watched the you game and like i'm pretty sure fbx lines up really good against them so i'm down to be wrong but like i should vote based on who i think's gonna win um so people were really invested in g2 that year man that was that was that was the closest we've gotten ever and with the Wii is the west in this particular one, I know the West is like a controversial topic in and of itself, but um, the West had a shot and missed it. That's that's what happened. Oh God, I haven't looked at the time. We got to wrap up this call. I didn't realize how off topic we got. Elmo, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out? Elmo. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Can, okay, there you are. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I want to shout out Alienware and Grubhub, and um, I want to give a shout out to Papa Smithy. I'm pretty sure I saw your first cast on OGN um unless it was LCK um I think it was OGN but I remember thinking like man who's this dude who's gonna mess up the synergy with Monty and Doa and then you just owned it um and you've uh you've continued to just own yourself and just be awesome uh the entire time your entire career so far and just uh big props to you I appreciate it I mean I just try to be self-aware. Like I never want to represent myself as more than who I am. And I knew that I was coming in to separate the duo everyone loved. So I had to fucking try and do something, you know? So appreciate the kind words. Thank, thanks so much, Ella, for the call. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks, y'all.
All right, off to our last caller of the evening, Marcus. Uh, I will say for this one, if we we ended up, I think covering his topic a little bit since we went. On Let's give a, a new things. take on it. It's uh, we can. Just, we'll you know, we're casters. We can just make something up. Off, off. Mark goes to grab Tuft. Thank you to Tree Bird is the word for the sub. Tuft is here. Tuft, where are you calling from? I am calling from beautiful Seattle, Washington. Seattle. Uh, this time is snowing so it is snowing okay good what do you want to talk about on the show yeah so we we covered this a little bit already uh, a lot bit already pretty exhaustively actually uh we did you weren't here we what is that homie thinks he's part of the team uh joke or meme anyway sorry continue where's the drake picture yeah where's the drake picture but uh i think that my my take on this was that uh the new time slot changes have showed that riot either is not interested or is willing to sort of throw to the wayside their ambitions to let the LCS specifically, maybe not League as a whole because uh, of the stuff that other regions are doing, but the LCS specifically uh, as being sort of a multi-generational sports media project. Uh, they're more they've talked a little bit more about being interested in capturing peak Twitch viewership uh, than, you know, making it as accessible to sort of the core fans who have been here for a long time. I personally started watching League when I was in 10th grade. I'm 25 years old now. Uh, and it is hard to see the league go in a direction that, like, I'm literally unable to watch because I have a 9-to-5 job, uh, and I live on the West Coast. And I think that it really damages my ability, and I I'm sure a lot of other people like me, their ability to stay super engaged with the league for a long time. And if we want, you know, obviously this is projecting a little bit far forward because we've been having all these things about viewership and, uh, you know, is North America a dying league, whatever. It sort of hurts the long-term ability, at least in the far-term future, for us to be able to, like, sort of pass this down to, like, a new generation of fans and to, like, share a lot of common connections, which I think is a big part of the reason why traditional sports have been, you know, so successful is, like, my dad was a basketball guy. We would go to Sonics games when I was young. And, uh, you know, I would not care as much about basketball if I did not have that connection with my dad. And uh, I'm sure that's true of a lot of people for sports. And I'm sure that Riot wants that to be true for a lot of people for esports. But, you know, if people can't enjoy this together and if the people who were really passionate about it in the beginning can't follow along with it, I think that really hurts it in the long term. You are. Do you like, do you like the Thunder? No, I hate the Thunder. I actually, I'm a jazz fan because I started watching basketball again uh, the year that they played the Thunder in the playoffs, and I decided I would become a fan of whichever team was playing the Thunder. Uh, you are, look, like, you, you say it's not about generations, but you are actually handing off from, you were the original generation, it's now time for you to hand it off to the next generation, the next one is stay-at-home moms. Uh, but no, I, think I don't it just, think it's, handing off means that you no longer get to do it. Uh, I think it's it's adjoining. Yeah, I guess I guess handing off more like more like sharing, right? It's not something that I could like yeah. share with someone. Like if I had a younger cousin, or like later on if I have kids, right? I can't. You know, this time slot makes it impossible for me to watch LCS with my kids if I ever have some. You know, and so I can't tell my kids. Oh my goodness, do you remember back in 2015 when CLG finally won it all? Oh my goodness. Or in 2023 when CLG won Worlds, Jesus, this was such a powerful moment, you know, because it's like I'm going to be totally disconnected from it for 90% of the season. Yeah, you'll have to All make right. sure that wherever, whatever after school care program takes care of your children and they are, they're available because it's going to be right at the end of that day. 
So here yeah. we go. Uh, Twitch streamers do a form of time slotting in the sense that a lot of people don't want to go up against the tier ones and the tier ones kind of set the pace of like when they want to stream. And then you kind of slot in around them and then the tier threes go around them or try and find their niche audience in that time slot. So like we just need to bully out all the other streamers who would normally be streaming at noon um, on Thursday, Friday, and we'll steal their viewers and then they'll go before us and then or after us, you know, and try and catch our people and, and we'll just eat the whole pie of noontime viewers for League of Legends on Twitch. Do you think that do you think that the like the the fifteen year old zoomers are, are gonna are gonna start watching uh, League instead of you know whatever other game without you know external motivating factors? Because that's like the kind of thing that I'm worried about. Is like you know a lot of people who have who have you know been watching the LCS or playing League for a long time started pretty early, right? Relatively speaking, you know season five, season six, season four, right? And you're not necessarily so much seeing like. A big groundswell of young people playing the game, I don't think. At least it's not so much talked about. Um, and I don't know. Like, I think that that sort of like generational handoff and sharing is a way to to bridge that gap. Uh, more so that you know, I'd, I I'm worried there is not really like, at least for me as someone who's very motivated by the professional scene to like engage with league and play a lot of it. I don't think that if I was a 15 year old or a 16 year old right now, that that would be the place that I was going because like that's not where all my friends are going. Yeah, the hardest I... thing to ahead, take from me. this this whole scenario is is that the decisions Riot are making are exactly counter to your specific case, and your specific case is not a unique one. There are many people like you who are like nine year League of Legends watchers who now have a full time job, and the time zone chosen is not compatible with you. Like this is a you are literally intentionally the group that is going to be put out the most by the decision made here. Um, and the, the change that's being made has to be to find more people than it is, are being lost. Otherwise, the change hopefully would not happen. I don't have all the exact data on that mm -hmm. to know all of those decisions that weren't made with me in mind. But there has to be this idea that the, there is more new than is going to be lost. But the idea of generational fans or Saturdays and Sundays where you relax with your friends at this time, like that is being willfully subverted at that time it's going to be valorant now and like valorant was going to be theoretically picking up new fans around that time so that's the tricky part is that with this change you literally are displaced so i mean your idea of displaced fandom is true like you'll have to either fall away from league or interact with it in a different way whether it's highlights or second screen watching um and things like that and that's that's the awkward part is riot is making a move that will displace you trying to find more people and they say they will and as an org we have to believe they will because that's you know what's the alternative at that point like we don't actually have the ability to change that like we have to hope this comes together yeah i mean the alternative that... is people speak up i i like people i do are speaking up just to be clear yeah well I, i'm okay i'm curious and i'm not trying to call anybody out I do, I'm surprised I'm not seeing more people speak out. I don't feel like I've seen that many, right? Like, especially anybody who... Who like, would you expect to speak up that hasn't? Give me an ex not a name, but an no, example. No, no, no. You're, you're right. I, like, I don't... I think it's the difference between expect and hope. I would love it if the teams came out and said, hey, we don't think this is good. Um, or... 
the players association or ideally both. Like I, I think that look, whenever uh, the days were moving between weekends and weekdays, I think that was nuanced, right? Like there were a lot of people there who were like, Oh, okay. Like this is actually better for me or I'm happy about this or whatever. Even if there were some people that were frustrated, I think this has been so universally rejected by the community and Riot has refused to uh, explain because they're going on vacation, which is, I think, fine. They just shouldn't have posted this right before the vacation. That there is an opportunity here for, like, the teams and even, like, the broad, like, casters. And, like, I know it's risky or whatever, but, like, a lot of people could come out and push back on this. And, like, I, well, I'd really like that. To, to Travis's point, I think uh, Azale, uh, Raz tweeted a little bit and supposedly talked about it on stream. I didn't see the stream. Um, I was busy last week, but like I think there has been a feeling from the community that has, it has been under-discussed um, by a lot of people who traditionally do discuss things. Um, and I don't think they're wrong in that. And to agree with Travis there, like I haven't really seen like a long thought video from a player or like on the team side or like many of the owners and but i feel like i see like two years ago when some changes were made to like playoff seating like lots of coaches were just like all over that you know and there was like huge discussion threads about like should first seed get to pick their opponents or not you know like i saw more discussion about that i feel like than this time change maybe i missed it but like i i do to travis's point agree that it, it for the fans if you're following a lot of us it doesn't seem like it's it's been Talked about I mean, for how much of a gut punch it feels like for some. I'll go on record for myself because I could be accused of under-discussing it too, even though I feel like I've been as forward on this as I can be. I think when it comes to the choice of days, my, my impression from what I've seen is that it wasn't a choice I had. certainly wasn't a choice I was given personally. So Thursday, Friday is chosen. Got it. I think when it comes to the times, I come in skeptical because... PST literally cannot watch games one and two unless it's on a second screen or they're not in school or work on a Thursday, Friday. I'm given information that says that Riot has great optimism around how this can be really good. The information, it's like, it's not causal, but it's like, okay, I could see it. Then from that point on, I can, I can kind of deride the information and say, well, it's not enough for me or something like that. You know, obviously you can do that. For me personally, as a, how I deal with things like this, like Monty and I were always yin and yang with these things. Like Monty is the ultimate, this seems wrong to me. I'm going to shout it at the top of my lungs person. Um, and I was always, okay, I'm going to go directly to the people who I know are sound and smart decision makers at Riot and send them my feedback and be clear about where I stand on this. Um, because I think that's, that's hopefully the way I can create the most change. So I've had a couple of pretty heated conversations internally about my take on things. I've heard the other side, but at this point, kind of contributing to the community's kind of discourse, which is already mine made up, I don't have any points to, to counter what the community feels. And I think Raya has done a very poor job of communicating. So at the end, even though I'm now, you know, an owner figure, the fran my franchise league is going to be pooped on for two weeks and literally I cannot change anything about it because Riot's on holiday. So it's a very yucky scenario to be in. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. I do think that there's a world here where like <clears throat> if the players and if the teams were vocal about this for 
intermittently over the next two weeks, then you end up in a situation where everything's on fucking fire the day that Riot gets back, and there's a lot of incentive and like because you there's almost like strategically speaking, there's an opportunity here to capitalize on the poor job they handled they did handled with the communication. They did not take up the room. They just sort of dropped a note and then left. And there's an opportunity for everybody else in the space to really fill that room with so much commotion that by the time they get back, there's incredible pressure for them to adjust this. And um, and I think people just generally are not – for my conversations with people, I think people are not – there's not enough momentum or movement for everybody to kind of come out and do that. One thing we haven't talked about, which we should talk about really quickly here at the end, is we talked so much about we didn't like the schedule. I don't think any of us have talked about when we think would be a better time, if any of us feel that way. The funny thing is, at the end of all this, I will just say, I think it should just be two hours later, and I think they should invert the team schedule stuff. Like, if you told me that you started the thing at two, and you started with the less engaging matches which meant that the LCS starts at 5 on the east coast and that by 5 o'clock on the west coast you've got the two final really great matches and viewership has built to that point in time I, I would pick 2 or 3 but I feel like from a negotiation standpoint I, it's easier to say 2 but just 2 hours different makes a huge change mm -hmm. I think um, the other thing too is I actually still think you should start with a banger um, everything that all of us know about Twitch metrics is like getting people in the door is huge because people AFK, people do other things, uh, viewers linger. Uh, it's much more important to get your viewers in quickly than it is to like stack towards the end. Um, so I would still say you would want to start a game at the beginning. Um, cause otherwise, like if you put two stinker games in a row at the beginning, let's say, and you try and backload your schedule, then you just get like 50, 60 K views for those or something. I, I don't know what the viewers going to be, but like. You know, you're going to be what much lower than if you put a really good game first and then put in two, two poopy ones and then put the next two good ones at the end if that's where you think your your core viewership wants to watch. Um, you obviously want your best game at your core viewership, but I also do think there's a very important part of starting a broadcast. If it's Because you're not getting a host from LEC now, right? Or whatever. Or like there's no lingering fans just shifting over. Like you have to build your audience up and you want them to be excited to tune in. And they're not going to do that if it's like, I don't know, IMT games at the start of every day. Take a point, Travis. Like that was what I assumed would happen because I like the way LEC broadcast is built with the match of the week, the main event, the boxing undercard, the wrestling undercard, picking up to a main event. Right? That's that's how I feel that broadcast should be. But my understanding is the data suggests that won't work. So that's why it isn't like that. I, I just the the <sighs> thing you run into there is is it's Friday night league again where there isn't people watching at 10 p.m. EST. Yeah, that's like that's that's basically what the data says. Now that's that sucks to hear, you know. Like I, I want it to be like that, but that for sure that was something they considered and aren't doing. So maybe there's the argument that the people that are there are North American. You have a higher percentage of North American viewers. Do it anyway. Like I get that as a concept, but that is clearly not what they're doing. Even if I wish it was. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, hey, thank you so much, Tuft, for the call. We've gone way over tonight. Um, yeah. so, uh, we got to wrap up, but thank you so much. Anything you want to shout out here at the end? Uh, I guess shout out NA men, obviously saving uh, North American league of legends, uh, one, uh, thirsty Busio tweet at a time. Uh, 
Shout out uh, the Counter-Strike team that I run socials for at GG Detonate. Uh, we just won our ESL Challenger relegation, so we're back in the league, baby. Uh, and uh, shout out Travis, because uh, it is, I'm sure, not easy to be such a, like, a huge central pillar of the community and, and be one of the only really loud voices that is out here championing like the day-to-day -day fan experience. As someone who, you know, like as, as Papa was talking about earlier, uh, is... Uh, now part of the audience that the LCS does not seem uh, see as like valuable or as like sort of worth discarding in in favor of like some other uh, viewership group uh, demographic. Uh, it is it is very. It's nice to know that like there are a lot of people in the community who are really out here just uh, you know fighting the good fight. Yeah, thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah, of course. All right, this concludes our final episode of the year. I want to give a huge, huge, huge shout out to Papa Smithy because it is rare, especially this time of year, that anyone reaches out and says, hey, I'd be down to be on the show if you're interested. Um, and it's very, very nice to have you on for this episode because I think not only were we able to talk about FlyQuest and get excited about the team and the decisions uh, that led to that, um, but also, I think just having your perspective um, on and being able to talk a lot about, you know, everything from the team side to your time as a caster and all that stuff. And, and I think I think it's really nice. It's not just me and Mark going back and forth whining about stuff. So uh, I really do appreciate you coming on. So thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And, and I understand that there will be people that listen to the start of the show and they're still wanting more, you know, more anger or more being more upset and it's it's one of those things where i know what i know and that gives me pause um i know that there's stuff i don't know that other people should be bigger experts on and i have to believe i have to be glass half full on that otherwise we're just kind of wading into like an inevitable defeat so i'm hoping that the the data is sound and that there are viewers out there that we can grow to because yeah we're about growing any viewership and if we don't do that then this, the generational fan that is being displaced, sadly, being knocked down for new construction, um, it'll be a moot point either way, right? Yeah. Uh, Mark, what do you want to shout out, plug here at the end? Uh, shout out Ashley, my fiance. Oh, it's been boy. weird, dude. I, yeah. I would say that's like one of those those shifts where you're just like, huh. word to say, though. The double E with the accent sounds good to say yeah, out yeah. loud. Uh, it, it, was, it's been, it was funny, like Sunday, we were both just like, unable to do any like this weird shock where she's like why do i have a ring on my finger what the hell is this you know uh so it's yeah. been fun um but yeah i'll be doing a blame game this week talking all about this i might do an also on like the talking FTX all about thing, the engagement like no the, <laughs> the fucking uh who's to blame trying to get for this engagement i find myself in uh boo but yeah what, those what two were videos. you gonna say I, I said it. You just didn't fucking hear because you're talking over me. Go ahead. What's I, your no, shout I was out? distracted by Zajef's sub. Thank you, Zajef. Okay. Papa Smithy, what do you want to shout and plug? Uh, shout out to the fans. Uh, always appreciate the kind words after leaving 100 Thieves. For the people who are interested in the FlyQuest journey but hesitant or have another team they're fans of, um, hoping we can win you over with solid content and investment into elevating our players as stars. I'm very confident on the competitive results, but a lot of the Papa Smithy impact is going to be around 
how we position ourselves in org, as Travis is saying, what titles we get into, what influences we bring on, what other initiatives we do, how much we stay close to the, the vision of FlyQuest that Trisha left us. There's a lot of these things, these really heady things to get my head around, and I'm appreciating that. It's, it's stressful, but looking forward to being judged by the things I get involved in. So if you follow the FlyQuest Twitter or YouTube, hopefully there's going to be fun stuff to watch there as the year goes on. Uh, and for me, I just want to thank everybody who supported uh, TGI in 2022. We did some really cool things. Um, uh, shout out to Riot. Next year, I will have a really typical work schedule. I'm going to be working, uh, and I'm going to be I'm going to have my Friday nights and my evenings free. So that's the one. Saturday's the group day off for LCS too. That's, yeah, that's that's exactly. fun. Uh, Travis, did you see the jokes that people are making about how Hotline League should go to the middle of the day to uh, celebrate yes. as a uh, you know, <laughs> solidarity? Yeah, I'm not. I haven't seen enough data to convince me that that would be a good decision for. Well, our the viewership's podcast. higher actually earlier in the day than it is right now. Mm, so. True. True. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's it, everybody. 2023, big stuff for all of us. I assume. I'm gonna be a best man, you know. I have it hasn't been officially said to me, but uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. I, well, I can tell you that's not happening. Right I'm, uh, I'm excited for my new role uh, next year. Dynamics gonna get awkward now. Uh, this is true. <laughs> it's been Hotline League, everybody. We'll see you all in 2023.